The 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe, proud supporter of the Illini on campus since 2006. DP Doe is locally owned and employs a staff that truly cares about their customers and stop in and try their Thanksgiving calzone. This thing is ridiculous. It's got, let's see, gravy, turkey, stuffing, and you dip it in cranberry sauce. It's getting rave reviews and champagne, understandably so. You can order that online at dpdo.com for all the latest deals and prices. Also, Brian Hansen, your State Farm agent and your local choice for insurance. Their team is made up of four local products, all born and raised in Champaign-Urbana. That's Tammy, Kennedy, Molly, and Brian. And their office is located at 408 North Ray Street, Suite A in Urbana, but they service all of Champaign County in East Central Illinois. Give them a call at 344-1900. That's 217-344-1900. Or visit online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, 4th and Kirby, vintage-inspired Illini apparel, and they have a really cool thing coming up on Cyber Monday. Check that out all week, though, at 4thandkirby.com, plus a brand-new crew neck sweatshirt just in time for Illini basketball season and a brand-new partnership with the Illini Union Bookstore. So, again, 4th and Kirby online or stop in at the Illini Union Bookstore for all the latest 4th and Kirby apparel. Of course, our partnership with IlliniInquire.com and Champagne Showers Podcast Network, we are feeling very thankful right now as a podcast as we enter our 49th episode and our 14th since the relaunch we're calling this one i don't w a let's get to it it's the 200 level It is the 200 level from the basement. Mike Carpenter here for episode 49. I don't W-A. Now, I do want to make clear that this dough is not one of anger. It's of disappointment, and it's actually a refreshing kind of disappointment if you're an Illini football fan. Losing to Iowa 19-10 to in disappointing yet somewhat understandable fashion. The way that Iowa football plays is mistake-free football, especially at Kinnick Stadium. You need to go in there and play pretty much a perfect game and just try to get that one big play to push you over the top. And Illinois was knocking on the door the entire game, but unfortunately shot themselves in the foot three times, specifically with turnovers, though there were a few more bad plays than just that. And Iowa only won. And that was a pass that sailed, and it was an easy INT for Sidney Brown. Other than that, you didn't get the turnover ferry on Saturday against Iowa, and Lovey Ball didn't quite work, but it kept you in the game. So it is truly a good news, bad news situation. Let's start with the bad news and then go to the good news, because I think there's uh, plenty of each. The bad news would be this, starting with the end of the first half and Lovey Smith calling two timeouts. Now, for Bears fans, you were well familiar back in the days of Lovey Smith that there were time management issues aplenty. And we saw that kind of come home in the end of that first half leading up to what was a bungled fourth down play. That was more execution with Brandon Peters. And we'll get to Brandon in just a second here. But the fourth down going for it on fourth and six with 16 seconds to go was not necessarily an issue. But the second timeout left you with nothing in case you did convert that first down. Yeah, you probably would have had time to go up there and spike it and then get the field goal unit out there. But you're still cutting it close. But think back to the minute and a half that came before that. I'm watching it, and I don't at the moment have an issue with Lovey taking his time as the team is marching down the field. But the more time you let a lapse off the clock without taking any of those timeouts, then you find yourself in the position with 16 seconds to go and do-or-die situation. 
So, in other words, if you were to go in hindsight, it's not so much that one play. It's the minute and a half before that where you're moving the ball and really taking your time with it. Yes, I understand that if you would have been rushing it a little bit more and you screw something up, Iowa gets the ball back and has even more time than the 16 seconds that you left for them. Uh, But you also cannot play with the idea that, well, we might make a mistake, so let's just, you know, take it easy here. In other words, clock management, an issue. It did lead to three points for Iowa. And yeah, sure, the defense could have made the stop there on the one offensive play that Iowa had, which was what, like a 25-30 yard pass to the right sideline. They could have made the play and kept them out of field goal range. But you just set yourself up for failure, I think, in situations like that. Here's the good news. Lovey was accountable immediately after the game. And he even kind of, you know, teased himself knowing that he would get asked that question. He acknowledged that the second timeout was kind of a mistake. He would have punted it in hindsight. And I think to myself, this is a tough spot for Lovey. And this is coming from definitely a Lovey cynic, though not so much when you're six and five. That, you know, if he would have punted that, we would have looked at Lovey Smith and said, okay, this is just like the Nebraska game. We were content. We're punting it away. We aren't going to try to score more points before halftime because Illinois, after all, was going to get the ball after halftime. No, instead, Lovey decides to go for it. And the play call itself, hard to even tell what the play call was because Brandon Peters was mauled within a second of it because Iowa sent the house. The old safety blitz that I used to call in Madden, and it worked, I don't know, one out of every 20 times. Well, it did work this time for Iowa and ended what could have been a really meaningful score for Illinois if they go into halftime tied or with the lead if they had made a big play there. But, you know, all of that might be null and void when you look at the third quarter. Illinois comes out, they look good, they're moving the ball at will, and yet they just cannot capitalize on it. You have the flea flicker, which results in an interception, and you actually have, I think, three drives in the second half, which get you into the red zone and resulted in one measly field goal. This goes to the good news, bad news, again, with Brandon Peters, who really kept you in this game with his legs, 76 yards rushing, which, you know, you'd look at that and think, well, maybe Isaiah Williams got the start for Illinois. No, Brandon Peters kept you in the game with his legs and really made a lot with a little. Josh Matterbebe had a few drops. Well, that wasn't helping Brandon Peters out. Who was your second option at wide receiver? Navarro? Well, he had a couple drops himself, too, or at least one that went right through his hands uh, when Brandon Peters had to get out of pressure and threw it a little bit low, but Navarro still could have made the catch. So then you get the run game finally going in the second half, but was that too little too late? In other words, I would have loved to see that game with the offensive rhythm that you had in the second half for all 60 minutes. And I did feel going in that Rod Smith was going to have to have a really good game as far as play calling is concerned. For the most part, I thought he did. But Brandon Peters, good news, he elongates plays with his legs and he occasionally makes a throw that, you know, makes you go, wait, wait a second. This guy, of course, he got recruited by Michigan. But then he makes just really bad mistakes, even if it is only his 15th game starting in college football. I think that's the number 15. You cannot make those sort of mistakes, especially on the road against a team that they themselves, Iowa, will not make those mistakes, at least not three of them in one game. So that's the disappointment there. But all that said. You still want Brandon Peters as your quarterback against Northwestern. And after the targeting that wasn't, that unfortunately might be a storyline this week. Will Brandon Peters have to go through concussion protocol? I think we'll find out on Monday with Lovey Smith's press conference, which might be vague. So we may not know until Saturday what the status of Brandon Peters is. And no offense to Matt Robinson, but you don't necessarily want to go that direction. Okay, another good news, bad news situation. The defense. Good news, run defense. 
and they stifled Iowa, which I think coming in had the 13th best run offense in the Big Ten. So it's not like they're as good as they used to be for sure running the ball. But even so, you decided that you were going to sell out against the run and force Nate Stanley to make throws. So that's the good news, the run defense. The bad news is the cover two will always sort of leave open that seam route in the middle, 15 to 20 yards, and Iowa, if they were going to complete a pass on Saturday, it tended to go for 15 to 20 yards, right on cue, and and too many of them on third down, really deflating, right? But all that said, the defense, more good than bad, they kept you in the game, and they played well enough to win on the road against a top 20 team. It's a far cry from what you had last year at Memorial Stadium when I was there on that fateful November day. Cold, wet, windy, nasty, 5,000 Iowa fans and maybe a few thousand Illini fans in there for that 63 to nothing drubbing. And that's the big takeaway, right? Is you competed against an Iowa team that had absolutely killed you last year. And if anything, it was refreshing to have that disappointment after a loss of, ah, oh, we could have won that game. And unlike the Beckmanism of, well, we were 17 plays away, really on Saturday, you were three or four plays away from maybe turning the tide and winning that game at Iowa City. Going into the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game, having the ball 16 to 10 with a chance to go right down the field. It reminded me of the last time that I was in Iowa City back in 2015. And we had a Tay and Jay game day live from the brothers. They have their own brothers up in Iowa City. And Illinois was four and one at the time, Bill Cubitt in 2015, and that team that probably should have had a better record than they did. But that game in Iowa, same sort of situation. Fourth quarter, you have the ball. Wes Luntz having the game of his career. And then you have a two blunders, two of them. The wide receiver pass from Geronimo Allison that resulted in an interception that made no sense. And maybe the flea flicker is the same sort of deal that we saw on Saturday. And then the fumble by Keyshawn Vaughn, who was probably concussed himself. He got thrown back out there as a freshman running back, and that was the play that sort of sealed it. But yet again, you were within reach of a good Iowa team on the road. This is not something we would have predicted back in October. This is certainly not something that after the Minnesota game or after the first half of the Michigan game, we ever could could have predicted. I saw that Robert from Eli and I had this tweet that, you know, we're trailing at halftime 10 to 7 on the road at Iowa City. And if you would have told me that back in October, you would have taken it. And yet somehow as you're watching the game on Saturday, I found myself getting frustrated with these small moments, knowing that Illinois had to pretty much play a clean, not quite perfect game, but close, right? They had to play a nearly perfect game. Well, it was nice to be frustrated again. It was nice to be disappointed at the end of a game and actually think that you didn't lose any progress, that you're still maybe trending upwards, and that you are kind of planting yourself in that middle tier of the Big Ten West. There is a lot on this roster that's coming back next year. When I look at that schedule and see Iowa coming to Champaign on November 8th, I think 2020, that will be a game that I'll consider a toss-up because Iowa themselves, they're losing Nate Stanley at least. Not sure how senior-laden that team is, though they do have some really good freshmen as well. But it is nice to feel as if, okay, you didn't lose a step. After a bye week, I thought that the game plan was actually fine. I thought that the coaches put the team in a position to win. It was just a lack of execution. And really, defensively, Again, put in a position to win, but the safeties seem to be a step too late. That might be schematic. I don't know how much I would put on the scheme and how much I'd put on Sidney Brown and Stanley Green back there, but man, that middle of the field seemed to be open whenever Nate Stanley needed it. And credit to him, when he had to make throws, he ultimately did. Good news, bad news. When I say I do W A, it's not out of anger. 
it is actually kind of refreshing to be sitting here and thinking of, okay, well, if we do this, this, and this, we'll take care of Northwestern without too much of a problem. But as an Illini fan, it's hard not to have that creeping doubt come back in. You're six and five, you got the bowl game wrapped up, and the only thing that would take the good vibes away, the only thing that could take this good vibe that we've had for the last month and a half away would be losing to this Northwestern team. They competed, uh, I guess you could say, in the second half against Minnesota. Though it's always kind of hard to tell when Minnesota gets a 26-9 to lead or something like that. Did they call off the dogs? Did they sort of rest their guys knowing they have the big game next week at Wisconsin for the Big Ten West title? That certainly might have been a part of it. Northwestern is a team that always scares you because Pat Fitzgerald has that success against Illinois. But something we talked about in the segment coming up with Trevor and Harry is if you look at Pat Fitzgerald against Illinois, any time that Illinois has had a bowl team, they have beaten Northwestern. 2007, final game of the year after Illinois had won at Ohio State, they take care of business against Northwestern at home. Okay, no problem. 2010, Wrigley Field, they needed that six win to get bowl eligibility. This coming the week after they lost Illinois at home to a bad Minnesota team. Got it done. McKellar Shore over 300 yards rushing. 2011, that team ultimately went on to a bowl despite finishing you know, losing their last six games. But the fifth game, late September at home, early homecoming against Northwestern, Nathan Shieldhouse and A.J. Jenkins bring Illinois all the way back for a big win to start 5-0. and They win the next week at Indiana to gain bowl eligibility. 2014, lest we forget, Tim Beckman's triumph over Pat Fitzgerald at Ryan Field. And yeah, I know the Wildcats were on their third quarterback or something at that point, but Illinois dominated that game with Riley O'Toole and Mikey Dudek. They go to the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas. I think that was the bowl in 2014. And now here you are, again, going to a bowl game. You already have it locked up, and this is really a cherry on top. But you don't want to lose this game. Because the one thing that Trevor, Harry, and I talked about, and I think a lot of Illini fans feel this way, it has been a great ride these last five games. I'll include the Iowa game, which is a game-watching experience, was very comforting to know that you were competing on the road against a good team. Even though all the mistakes, I get it, there's frustrations involved here, but you competed. And for me, that's all I really needed against Iowa. But don't lose those good vibes. Don't lose to Northwestern. Yes, Pat Fitzgerald could have the Wildcats come in ready to go, beat the rival, and leave a very anticlimactic feeling for Lovey Smith and this team. You'd have the bowl game coming up, but you would feel like you didn't really accomplish what you should have going 7-5. and five. And the other thing, too, are the optics. Another conversation we had in the segment that you'll listen to in just a bit here is when I was younger, I'd look back at media guides and Illinois football does not have a lot of success to speak of in the last 50 years. They have the good seasons followed by a bunch of seasons of blech. But I always remember thinking as a kid, man, if you get to that seven win mark, those tend to be the good seasons. Six wins uh, in the regular season, like a six and six or six and five, ho-hum. You know, yeah, technically you were better than 500 or right at 500, but that's not necessarily good. That just means you were average. Something about seven and five with a couple of what I would call quality wins in there against Wisconsin and on the road and the great comeback at Michigan State. Those are the two signature moments of the year. Seven and five with an opportunity to get an eighth win against probably a beatable opponent like a Miami, UNC, Pitt in what would presumably be the pinstripe bowl. Man, talk about the optics there. Going to a bowl game, getting your eighth win, and then for the late signing period, Lubby can really hopefully parlay that into success for both four-year kids out of high school and grad transfers. There is a path to feel really 
good about this team going into 2020. And there's also a path to feel like, oh, this might be a mirage. And for the latter to happen, for us to feel like this run was a bit of smoke and mirrors, it would be losing to Northwestern. Don't do it. Do not ruin the Thanksgiving holiday with a loss to Northwestern. Does that happen? I don't think it does. I think Illinois takes care of business. It might not be the sexiest result. It may not have a lot of style points involved. We don't even know if Brandon Peters will start, though hopefully we find good news out about him and there's no concussion protocol or anything like that. But Illinois takes care of business. Let's call it, you know, 27 to 10, something like that, where I think Lovey Smith's defense will force Northwestern to throw it and the turnover ferry will return once more as this regular season wraps up. Now, it is a Thanksgiving episode, I guess, so I am feeling a bit thankful as a fan that we've even had this run to talk about. If I were to go back and listen to one of the podcasts we did back in September or early October, it would be far different. Of course. I mean, you were two and three, two and four, the loss to Nebraska, then the Minnesota game, and then the first half of Michigan. Feeling lost and feeling as if at this moment, late November, we would be having a short list of coaching candidates and, well, who are we going to hire next? And you got to start the whole process over again. The good news here is that you don't need to worry about that, Illini fans. You have at least some stability, which is all we really want, right? Consistency, stability, and the feeling that you can make a couple bowl games in a row, that you can string something together. This takes me back to a theory that Steve Breitweiser posited in the first episode of the relaunch of the 200 level. He mentioned this idea of a baton handoff, where Lovey Smith may not be long for Illinois just because... Okay, maybe college coaching isn't something that he's going to do for 12 years. It might be a six to seven year project, and then he can walk away after leading Illinois to two, three straight bowl games, and then you hand it off to what Lante himself would call Josh Whitman's most important hire. It's so much easier to go out there and make a hire after you have success. And now that you have the new facilities, and if you got two, three straight bowl games in your back pocket to sell this program, then you were not going for a retread. You weren't going for a Mac level coach. You might be able to hire somebody that's already had consistent success at the college level. It may be that Lovey's legacy is the first three years stunk. The last two or three years got you to bowl games and were seven, maybe an eight win season mixed in there somewhere. And then you get the guy to come in and just sort of move it along. The concern right now is that 2020, you bring a lot of guys back. You should be in good shape with that schedule to win about seven games, maybe eight. I'm not going to go crazy with nine or 10 wins. We've seen it all too often with Illinois. You get too excited, you're going to get disappointed. And they will lose a game or two next year that they probably should not lose. But the good news is, as we saw this year, they may in fact win a game that you would not expect. But 2021 looms large. You're going to be losing a lot of guys on this team. And certainly there's the Isaiah Williams and the Marquez Beasons of the world. But you are losing a lot of now juniors in 2021. So what do you do? Maybe you go the Mike White route, which I know back then was the Juco route. But the modern day equivalent is grad transfer. And you've already had success with that. And you can point that out to any grad transfer that would be interested. Hey, Brandon Peters, Josh Matterbebe, Wally Batiku. These guys have come in and had an immediate impact. Well, you come in at these certain positions, and then you can kind of plug and play, right? Get the guys in the positions where you need them the most, and then hope that you build enough depth with the four-year high school players. But 2021, you're going to have to have some immediate guys come in and fill those roles if you want to continue that success. Because right now, as it stands with some of these younger high school guys, the lack of recruiting success that Lovey has had, I guess relative to the expectations we might have for Lovey as a recruiter, that will come home to roost two years from now. Something to look out for. 
But the good news is now you got something to sell beyond, hey, come in here and build it with us. You could actually tell a recruit and you wouldn't be lying. We built the foundation. You don't need to worry about that. Just come in and let's make another bowl game or two or three. It's a far cry from where you were a month ago. And it was essential that Lovey had success this year. Six wins would have been fine. But the way that you did it to win all these games late in the season and garner this feeling of momentum, that is entirely different. So from the 200 level, from Fanboy Carp, who was a Lovey Smith cynic, <laughs> thank you, Lovey. Thank you, coaching staff. Thank you, players, for giving us a season that we will remember, I hope. The key to any season that you would go back and look on fondly is did it result in greater success going forward? That's why 1999 was a pretty special year. It led to 2001. I know 2000 was a disappointment, but all building blocks, right? That team was on the way up. They had immediate success and then were able to parlay that into a BCS Bowl in 2001. 2007, I look back on the Rose Bowl and certainly in a vacuum, that was a really fun year. But there's just this tinge of disappointment that it didn't result in sustained success for Ron Zook and Illinois football. 2010, 2011, whatever, you made bowl games, but none of those seasons felt great. You felt okay, but you didn't feel great. And then 2014, as I've told Harry before, begrudgingly, yeah, the last two games were fun, but when you were four and six entering Penn State, the feeling was that Tim Beckman was going to be gone. So you didn't get a ride that wave, and you certainly didn't feel like that was going to result in sustained success for Tim Beckman, of all people. Please let this be different. Let this be that season that we look back on as a true turning point. It's not going to be as easy as, hey, 2020, favorable schedule, you come out, you win eight, nine games. I really don't think that's going to be the case. You are still building this program. There are still flaws. Even schematically, you are leaving yourself open to a really good quarterback just dinking and dunking all over you or finding that 15, 20-yard seam route in the middle like they did with Iowa. You are leaving yourself open to disappointing losses, but you are at least building enough consistency to overcome the stinker or two. I mean, they've already done it this year. They had stinkers early against Eastern Michigan and Nebraska and Minnesota, and they were able to overcome that because this system will also allow you to win a game like Wisconsin or maybe come back if the turnover ferry helps against a Michigan State on the road like you did. Seven, eight wins next year. That should be the goal. Get your seventh win of the regular season against Northwestern and maybe an eighth in a bowl game. Eight and five. I look back at the media guide and to see an eight and five Illinois football team. I think that was probably a pretty good team. And I know with the eye test, we look at this and I don't know about you, but I keep waiting for the shoe to drop. I pucker up a bit when I'm watching that Illinois-Iowa game thinking they might run away with this, but they didn't. Michigan State, I kept thinking they're going to put this game away. They didn't. So you're finding yourself with Lovey Smith and this sort of identity that you built hanging around. You did against Wisconsin. You hung around. You did against Michigan State. You did against Iowa. And you won two of those three games against programs that you look at as a model for what you want to be. And you don't even have your best roster yet. I think that would be next year, despite the losses of a Reggie Corbin and presumably Dre Brown, even though I think he could come back for his sixth or seventh year. I don't know if he'd want to. Um, but at least at running back, you feel like you can probably bring in reinforcements and be okay. Wide receiver position, you bring Ricky Smalling back, who was having a good year before that injury. Trayvon Sidney, injury-riddled season for him. Okay, Luke Ford, bring that into the picture. All of a sudden, that offense with Rod Smith and Brandon Peters in his second year starting for you, you feel pretty good about. I mean, good enough to finish somewhere in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten as far as offense is concerned. 
defensively, there will be a couple guys that you're losing, but I do think that now you're seeing depth. Witherspoon, a cornerback. The guy can hit pretty hard, and he's kind of lucky he didn't get called on a flag or two as he you know, picked up the wide receiver and essentially threw him over his shoulder. You don't want to do that too much, but think about the impact that he's had as a backup on this team, and he was a late addition as well. Mix in all the returning guys, losses that you probably can't withstand, and a four-game stretch with three non-conference and then Rutgers on the road. You should be starting 2020 4-0 after a seven or eight win season in 2019. I'll take it. And then from there, you can hopefully really get a wave going and feel good about the long-term future of this program. It has been a long time since there's been two consecutive years of success. And in a way, they're ahead of schedule. When you consider they were two and four, they get this crazy run going, and all of a sudden you are really staring down the barrel of two consecutive seven or eight win seasons. I never would have predicted it, but I'm happy it's happening. So once again, thank you, Lovey Smith. Thank you, Rod Smith. Thank you, Miles Smith. All the Smiths, all the coaching staff, but the players especially. And I mentioned this to Harry in our segment that you're about to hear. As a college student, I was pretty lazy. My GPA reflected that. I enjoyed my Jerry Springer and Maury Povich midday talk shows and didn't really do a whole lot. I, I just did enough to get by. And I think about the lifestyle of a college athlete where it is a full-time job and how much they have to work, especially at this level, being a Big Ten football player, and the lack of success that they had to deal with on top of that for years. For these seniors, for these juniors, and really even for the freshmen and sophomore kids that signed up for a program that had no success when they would have been in high school and maybe courted by other programs that had had success. They took a gamble. Now it's paying off. I'm enjoying it as a fan. I can only imagine how much they're enjoying it as players. So thank you to all the players that have made this a far more interesting and entertaining season than any of us could have predicted. Take care of Northwestern, and that's a hell of a season right there. Okay, so basketball. We recorded our segment with Trevor and Harry right after the Illinois-Iowa game, so we didn't get to talk about the offensive onslaught against Hampton. And finally, breath of fresh air. Feels like there's a little bit less of a weight on my shoulders as a basketball fan because I was concerned about this Illini offense, namely the shooting and the passing. The passing, that goes without saying. The turnovers were really, really bad in the first four games of this year. And then you get this Hampton game where I think the 16 to nothing assist to turnover ratio in the first half, if I recall correctly, 17 points for Alan Griffin in the first half, another double-double for Kofi within the first 12 minutes of the game. So you're starting to see, oh, Io, for example, you're starting to see him warm up and that stroke come back from beyond the arc. Shooting was the secondary concern after passing, and you see an onslaught against Hampton that at least leads you to believe that this team was just sort of figuring things out. And maybe, I know it's an inferior opponent, maybe they have figured it out just in time for another couple gimmies at home before you get Miami for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Offense was the concern, not defense. The defense has actually been pretty consistent this year. The rebounding has been consistent as well. So now that you had that 120-point game, 61 points in the first half, you are feeling as if, okay, maybe we'll be just fine. But the big news last week was not that Illinois finally got the offense going against Hampton. That's great news. But the better news was getting Adam Miller to commit despite not signing the letter of intent. And let's just be real with it. Not signing makes a lot of sense for Adam Miller. If Io does not go pro, why would Adam Miller come here? 
there wouldn't be a spot for him. I mean, he'd be on the bench and be getting a lot of playing time, but no, he would be coming to Illinois to be the next starting guard after Io leaves. You pair him with Corbello at point and a senior Trent Frazier and your one-two punch down low of Kofi and Georgie. And then you hope that the wing position develops some consistency, which next year you have even more tools at the three and four spots with those transfers that are sitting out a year. So you are beginning to see things take shape. I haven't had this feeling in terms of recruiting since maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. One specific example would have been in 2002, you lost to Kansas in the Sweet 16. And that was a disappointing finish for Corey Bradford, Frank Williams, let's see, Robert Archibald, Oh my gosh, I know I'm forgetting. Demir, Lucas, all those seniors, they left. You still have Brian Cook coming back the next year, and you were adding D. Brown, Darren Williams, and James Augustine. And if I recall correctly, all three of those freshmen coming in were expected to play right away. And you were just sort of plugging the guys into the positions that you needed them and moving right along. That team, after all those seniors left, Bill Self's final team, was a game away from winning the Big Ten title. It was a game at Wisconsin where I think Devin Harris made a couple free throws late on a you know, sketchy foul call. But regardless, it was proof that you can continue to roll as long as you have studs coming in. And Brad Underwood does. And look at the success that he's had. Io, that goes without saying. Kofi, we did not probably expect this immediate of an impact. This is someone who's been playing basketball for five years. And he looks like a seasoned veteran out there. He might take some growing pains against better big men in the Big Ten. Better big men in the Big Ten. Kind of a tongue twister. But for the most part, you know what you get with him. And what you get is a really, really good college basketball player that might still be here two or three years, the way that center position has kind of evolved in the NBA. And now you get two stud guards to take over for Io and Andres Feliz when they leave. You keep rolling. You move right along. And there's an argument that could be made that you might even be better off with Andre Crabello, who seems like the perfect fit for what Brad Underwood wants to do, and Adam Miller. I cannot wait to see him here. This is someone where, listen, we're going to look back at Io if they make the tournament this year as the one that turned things around. That is a very special part of uh, any player's legacy. And you could look at Eddie Johnson way back in the day as being that sort of transformative figure when Illinois basketball needed it. But man, I really want to see Adam Miller here. So Io, do your thing, go to the lottery, get, get us back to the tournament, a top five finish in the Big Ten, or for that matter, just a top half, and that legacy will be secure. But kudos to Brad Underwood for identifying what he needs and really finding a, a very unique approach with recruiting. He is getting the studs, and that's always the key. But what will be most interesting with Brad Underwood as a recruiter is as this identity continues to develop, you get the one or two marquee guys per class, and then you mix and match with four-year players, certainly, Coleman Hawkins coming in next year, but also the transfers that he's accrued, you are going to be stocked with legit power five talent next year from one through 11. And that is a unique position to be in as an Illini basketball fan to feel like you have 11 interchangeable pieces with a few stars mixed in as well. That is a recipe for success. And the way the Big Ten is going right now, Jawan Howard will certainly be interesting to watch. That is the wild card, him at Michigan. But Ohio State and Michigan State, Purdue, those are the three that I look out for. With Wisconsin and Gray Guard, I keep waiting for their inevitable collapse. Maybe that'll never happen, but I, I want to get to a point where our talent is just so much better than Wisconsin that you don't worry about them, okay? You don't need to worry about them winning Big Ten titles. They will stay around the six or seven mark in the Big Ten. 
But think about that. That's a pretty short list. I know Penn State is looking pretty good early, but if you look at other Big Ten teams, there's not a lot of forward momentum. There's not a lot of other programs that I look at as a competitor for you know, reestablishing themselves in the top three or four of the Big Ten. This is a window of opportunity for Brad Underwood, and he is capitalizing on the recruiting front. And you're beginning to see a defense take shape. And now, after the Hampton game, maybe, just maybe, the offense, that switch turned on, and they'll be good to go. I hope so. And there aren't going to be a lot of indications before those two Big Ten games as to how good this team is. Miami... Uh, Okay, fine. It's a home game. You should take care of them without much of a problem. But at Maryland and then the Michigan game at home are going to be really crucial, I think. Uh, Measuring stick games, if you want to throw out a cliche. You need to win that game against Michigan at home. You get them early with Juwan Howard as a rather green college basketball coach. And if you take care of business there, one and one in the Big Ten, you're in great shape. And I think it would be the first time that Illinois won a December Big Ten game because they've went 0 for 2 in both of Brad Underwood's first years. So get it done, beat Missouri, and don't lose any non-conference games, including Miami at home. If you do, then all of a sudden, you need to go out there and steal a win in the Big Ten. And unfortunately, it seems like a really top-heavy conference where you do get the two games against Michigan State and Michigan and Purdue once or twice. I need to go check and see how the schedule shakes out. But any Big Ten team from six and below... And again, you're fighting for maybe the five spot to ensure that you're a tournament team. You cannot afford a non-conference loss without then having to go to a Michigan State or to Wisconsin and getting a win there. And as much as I think this team has potential, it still kind of concerns me when you get into Big Ten play. You probably need a 12-8 and season. 12-8 and with one non-conference loss to Arizona. That would get you to, I think, 21-9. and You're in the tournament. But anywhere around the 19 and 11 or 19 and 12, then ugh, you pucker up a little bit and maybe have to do something in the Big Ten tournament. Enter the Big Ten tournament playing for seeding, not for just one of the 68 spots in the NCAA tournament. I think this team can achieve that, though we have a few measuring stick games coming up in the next weeks to really determine that. So Brad Underwood rolling with recruiting. The basketball team, they figure out how to score. Finally, they're shooting well, at least in one game against Hampton. And then you get Thanksgiving week to sort of feel a little bit better and a little more at ease with this basketball program going forward because I had chalked it up to concern, not worry. And I was trying to choose those two words very carefully because worry, I think, has a little bit more weight to it. Concern was, I think they can figure it out, but we got to see it first. Okay, string together a few more games at home where offensively you're rolling, and we know the transition offense is great. The transition offense won't be a problem, but the half-court offense will require some good shooting and more than just Kofi getting those garbage buckets down low. You're going to need more than that, and Hampton was a good step in the right direction. So yeah, we're feeling thankful on the 200 level as we enter an extended break. We have a bit of weird scheduling coming up because after the Thanksgiving holiday, not getting back until next Sunday evening, Illinois has a game against Miami for the Big Ten ACC Challenge on Monday, December 2nd. So what we're planning on is meeting on Tuesday, December 3rd, post-Big Ten ACC Challenge, post bowl bid so we'll know where Illinois is playing and of course the Illinois Northwestern post game recap as well so it will be a busy show next week but we're going to wait one more day for Tuesday December 3rd to get all that out to you that way we'll have all the information and all the news in front of us to react to all right the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe you can order online at dpdoe.com and what is sweeping Champaign-Urbana right now is the Thanksgiving zone try it out turkey stuffing gravy hmm I think maybe one other thing in there as well. And you dip it in cranberry sauce. 
I've already seen a bunch of Facebook posts heralding how good this calzone is. So give that a shot. It is Thanksgiving in a zone, all the dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby.com, they got a really cool partnership started with the Alana Union Bookstore. Check them out at that uh, location, which is right on Wright Street across from, well, the Union. And then you can also order online at fourth and Kirby.com. And then, of course, State Farm agent Brian Hansen for all your insurance needs, visit online at brianismyguy.com. So we did something different for the segment with Trevor and Harry. We decided to meet immediately after the game, Illinois, Iowa, and we went for two hours. One really cool thing we did at the end of it, any Star Wars fans out there, we played a game where we equated Illini football seasons with Star Wars movies. This all started when I think Harry said, hey, if you think about it, there's only two good Star Wars movies, two legitimately good ones, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Every other one is you know, kind of a mess or bad, like the prequels, right? So then we determined, well, out of those nine Star Wars movies, what Illini football seasons match up with those movies? I'll give you a hint right now. I think we went with A New Hope was 1999, the Micron PC, and The Empire Strikes Back was, of course, the Sugar Bowl in 2001, outright Big Ten title, and Return of the Jedi was 07, the Rose Bowl, which, yeah, kind of a mess, but a lot of fun. Right. So that those are the first three. And then we had to determine for the prequels and then all the sequel movies, the Force Awakens and Last Jedi, what Illini football seasons matched up with those. Had some fun with that. If you weren't a Star Wars fan, you'll probably be thinking, what the hell are these guys talking about? Uh, but we we try to do the best we can. So Trevor Valise, Harry Black, longer segment, but a lot of fun. And what we hope with these longer segments is that it gives you something to listen to as you're on your way to the relative's house for Thanksgiving. Uh, have a great holiday break and enjoy two full hours with Harry Black and Trevor Valise on the 200 level. Who cares if it's covered in marinara sauce? You broke it. You need to pay for it. I did pay for the marinara sauce. No, you didn't. You stole it, poured it all over the receiver, yelling, wash this out of your angel hair. And when nobody laughed, you ran out the front door crying. Yeah. And? No, no, and that's it. Carp, start the podcast. Fine, fine, fine. It is the 200 level live from the basement. I say that quite a bit, even though it's always pre-recorded. Yes. And you'll be listening to this about 48 hours after we do it. But we are doing the for the first time. A quick reaction, a post-game yeah. show yeah. Of, sh- of sorts, uh, live from the basement for Illinois, Iowa, and we'll get to that in a second. But of course, a reminder that DP Doe is a sponsor of the 200 level, and you can get all the best deals and prices online at dpdoe.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com for all your insurance needs. And of course, Fourth and Kirby with a bunch of great vintage-inspired Illini imp- apparel online at fourthandkirby.com. And let's do good news, bad news, because I really think that's the name of the game for Illinois, Iowa. Good news, bad news. I'm starting with the good. You went on the road after a bye week, and you competed against a top 20 team that they themselves, Iowa, did not make many mistakes today. Nate Stanley had a couple overthrows. Other than that, they really just kind of played Iowa ball, and you had a chance to win. Right. They were Iowa, and you had a chance to win, which if you contrast that with last year and the debacle that was 63 to nothing, hey, I think we would all have taken that result. Yeah, I mean, you go into this game and you look at what you did, and it was actually a very, very similar ending 
to the game a couple of years ago that you lost there where Keyshawn fumbled it late in the game. And that's what I thought afterwards. I think you were down by six in that game. And in this one, you're down by six. Was it a fourth and two? Was that what it was when he fumbled it? It was third and two. It was third and two. And And it it looked like it was a read play. He could have handed it off, but he kept it. It looked like he would have gotten it if he had not fumbled it. It was, I mean, it was a good play by the defender to punch Mm -hmm. it out of there. And it was a chance where, or a situation where you had the ball with a chance to go down the field and take the lead one touchdown. Um, but yeah, like you said, Carp, it was a game that you you hung around there with a really good team, the number seventeen team in the country, in a place where you haven't won in twenty years. You played them as twenty years. Yeah. Oh god! And you know, I was actually tweeting with someone last night, and they said, "Well, how many times have we been at Iowa City in the last twenty years?" And it took me a while to figure out. I think it was ninety nine. You won, of course, like you said, twenty years ago. Didn't play there again until I think Turner and oh three oh four. It was a bad Illinois team. Oh seven. And then not again until 15? Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Beckman yeah. never played Iowa. You at played, Iowa. At Iowa, at he never Iowa. played him in Iowa. Okay, so if you think about it, that's what, five times in the last 20 years? So it's really not quite as bad as you know losing to Wisconsin 15 times in a row yeah. in basketball. Yeah. But it's the last monkey you wanted to get off your back, though. It, well, it is. Right, because you beat Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. You have beat Nebraska in the last five years, and you've had close games. You beat Purdue. You beat Minnesota last year. Yeah. You beat Northwestern enough. Iowa's the last team in the West that you kind of feel like you haven't beaten in it, a while. It's weird because if you look at the West as a whole, you look at these teams and say, I mean, Wisconsin was the one where you'd say, I'm su- well, I'm not surprised we haven't beaten them in a while. And then you do beat them. And now you say, really, we haven't beaten uh, Iowa since 2009? And which I had is a crazy to think about that. I, I had a meatball moment at the end of the game. It was after the targeting. So then Matt Robinson comes the targeting in. targeting was just, poor Brandon Peters probably thinks he's at the Cotton Bowl. Well, and this, this is going like to be a story. third time that's happened to him this year. Too. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a storyline all week because if he got concussed. Now we're wondering who's the starting quarterback against the Northwestern team that you should beat regardless. Yeah, but that's the only long-range negative takeaway I have from yeah. this game. Right? And he'll be back for a bowl game. I'm, I mean, I'm right. don't think but, I mean, that's, that bad. That's the only but... thing that came from this game where I go, oh god. Yeah, yeah. But I had a meatball moment. It was after that. And then Matt Robinson, Mister Cool, as I like to call him, takes his time. <laughs> my, oh my god! Come on, <laughs> give the kid a break. His first play I was a fourth know. and nine at Kinnick Stadium. I know. He carved and, up Michigan for twenty minutes, so I'll give him a break. And you know what? It was a decent throw on the fourth down it and then bad. and it was probably not a pass interference you could have won either way but Illinois got some breaks in this game they did so I, I do not mind that call not being made but the Iowa cornerback or safety one of the two number nine does this whole Dikembe Mutombo <laughs> and I just said I hate Iowa and then I, I said to Kara I'm sorry I had to say she's like better out than in and that was the only time all game that I emoted verbally because <laughs> yeah. I've gotten to be such a cool fan like Matt Robinson, Mr. Cool. Stop I'm calling him Mr. Cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool of him to take that sack and bounce. Oh, just that was that was to- by, toss her yeah. out of bounds. And by uh. then, that was right after they had that weird fourth and four that they for some yeah. reason went for. And I guess I get it because if you get it, the game's over. That was but a little Mike Riley esque there. It, well, the three would have done nothing. You go up twelve, I and I mean, yeah. it would have it would have said Illinois needs to go down, score two touchdowns. But at the end of the day, you need to score a touchdown to start, regardless. And then you get the ball back with what a minute forty. So you're thinking if you play this drive perfectly and get a touchdown with 40 seconds left well i'm thinking just kick the field goal with yeah 50 so, seconds left so then for try the for the onside right. kick but, i know it doesn't ultimately yeah. matter but it still left a bit of a sour yep. taste in your mouth yeah it see, should matter but it didn't to see no <laughs> uh urgency on offense he takes two yeah. sacks and bounds I, again it doesn't really matter yeah but just the principle the thing i'm like come on like at least try between I, that and the targeting and not that i thought that illinois was going to win this game even before that targeting because at that moment what was it two and a half minutes you ago, were down by nine 
and there was right. about two and a half minutes left. Right. This is after the fourth down stop. I you see the fourth de- the fourth quarter after that fumble by Peters was all just sort of a blur of it, to me you were just sort of biding time until the inevitable were, loss yeah. and that was a feeling that I have not had in a while because I think of most losses in the last five years and they since Cubit and that was a competitive team most losses have been blowouts so you yeah. didn't have I had forgotten the frustration <laughs> of an opposing team running the clock yeah, down and yeah. you just got to deal with it it was frustrating to say the, I mean to say the least but I, what I'm really encouraged about from this game is, first of all, this is what we wanted, right? It's a nine-point game against a really good team on the road. If you covered again, like, you covered yeah, again, six straight covers. So if you look at it like that, you is it six? Yeah. Okay. There's six straight covers. Back bad. to the Michigan game. Yeah, not yeah. bad. Um, but yeah, you look at that game and you say the uh, the positives greatly outweighed the negatives. I think because your offense kind of didn't really show up. They didn't put on a well, obviously didn't put up enough points on the board. They made mistakes, um, but I think you know you missed one long field goal, which you can't really put on him for missing a fifty-plus yard field goal. Not a big deal. And then um, would have helped. It would have helped. It would have helped. But at the end of the day, like you said, it didn't matter. The defense I thought was outstanding. Yeah, I thought the defense gave up the touchdown on the first drive, and they gave up some chunk plays. But they, abs- I think this is one of the better games they've played all year without Tony Adams for the most part, without, without Jake Hansen. Yeah. So that's another yep. encouraging sign that you are building some depth. Tolson, from what I saw out there, I mean, I didn't see him make any bad plays. And you kind no. of want the guys that have to step in, <clears throat> step in those positions to just not make mistakes. He was not doing that. Well, and Nick Walker came in for Hobbs when he was out, and he made a good play as well. He did. And Witherspoon laying yeah, the hits hammer hard. down. He and, and, he and Milo or Milo hit really, really hard. Which one yeah. is it? I don't know. I thought it was Milo. I thought it's Milo. Because right, over, over at Black Dog, one of our barbecue sauces is called Milo's Mustard. And good it's sauce. The same yeah. It's really it's good. It's a sauce. very good sauce. Yeah, one of the better ones we make. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to our discussion. We had a lot of good text discussions during this game too. Yeah, but it is. It's weird though because it feels like a complete game. Maybe the only other than Purdue complete game Illinois has played in the last six weeks. You know yeah. what? In a way, you're and right. Yet, it they like lost that. a turnover margin, and there was a bunch of missed opportunities. So I hesitate to call it a complete game because. They left a lot on the table, it was a but com- there wasn't ever a point where it was 28-3 Michigan State, 23-14 Wisconsin with them driving before Jonathan Taylor fumbles, 10-10 against Rutgers. Like, there wasn't that point. It was a complete game from the defensive side of the ball, and the offense, you saw pretty much what you were going to expect going into this against game. Against Iowa. Against a really good Iowa team, because this isn't just an Iowa team at home. This is a team that's probably going to be 9-3 and three after they beat Nebraska next Which week. Which is and- weird, because I don't feel like they're 9-3 and three good. With their three but- losses, though, by combined, I forget what they said. I mean, they lost by two to Wisconsin, by Michigan. They lost by seven. So that's two plus seven, nine plus five, 14 points in their three losses. I'd like to get Iowa earlier in the year than November because they always seem to be playing well then. And it is a timing issue. Next year, you get them early November, if that makes any difference. (laughs) And that will be one of those games that you circle. The way things are, you know, trending, trending right now is you would circle that as a toss up. So that would tell you right there the progress that's been made this year. And Trevor was, as we were texting in the group before, the game even started this game was important in that you didn't want Illinois to come out laying egg because then you wonder was this four game win streak a flash in the pan right. and to me what's encouraging and I'm I'm throwing in all the mistakes that Illinois made I'm including that and it's encouraging that with all those mistakes you still found yourself in this game which tells me okay they didn't need a perfect game to beat Iowa and actually the game plan was effective the execution was not so I'm right. thinking as far as Lovey Smith Rod Smith, who I thought had to have a great game calling it, and I really think he did. 
he got you in the red zone, it seemed, time and time again, and he just couldn't really capitalize on Yeah, it looked like that. the offense had almost broken through. Because yeah. the last few games, other than, of course, the fourth quarter against Michigan State, there was a lot left to be desired for a lot of quarters out there. And you were consistently getting, not within the red zone, but within like the zone right outside the red zone. Yeah, the, the Beckman I, called it the orange zone. Oh I swear, I think... Oh, my I, Actually, God. no, no, to be fair, I think he... Either called the orange zone the twenty to the thirty or the ten to the twenty with the red zone then being the goal line to the ten. I don't remember. Well, that's what you would do as a coach if you realize your team's never going to make it into the red <laughs> the zone. Real if red Beckman zone, were the you coach, pivot and redefine the area outside the red zone. Revisionist history. If Beckman stole the coach in twenty fifteen, yes. Does that Iowa game go any differently? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I have I mean, told Cuba's myself still calling the plays that bungled that yeah. game, like the Geronimo Allison pass. Yeah, right? I, what I've told myself time and time again is, you went five and seven that year. If you keep Beckman, you have some kind of consistency. I don't see how you don't win one more game. I agree. I don't know even, where it is. Even that last game against Northwestern, they had a chance yeah. to win, but there's so much freaking turmoil. Yeah, like they just announced Cubit's two-year extension. Yeah, not that the players themselves necessarily even knew about that, but there's so much going on that season that. I feel like five and seven was almost an accomplishment. Oh, after yeah, yeah. after that extension, though, I could not have cared less about that oh, Northwestern game. I, I remember watching it and just thinking, there was I don't like even five thousand people in the stands. I know one of those. I mean, he gave up a home game, I think, yes. right? Or yeah. was it Northwestern? I did? don't get. No, no, we did because the way they Northwestern didn't give up any of their home. No, games Northwestern never gives up any home games. They're in Chicago, and the the kind of logic, if you want to call it that, is they gave up t- 2010 for Wrigley. They call that a home Yeah, but that's oh, okay. still in Chicago for them. It's not like they're giving up a home game and then going playing at NIU or something. We're, not many people there today for our Minnesota Northwestern at all. There weren't. There weren't. It and there was, was, I mean, the definition of sparse. And if you want to maybe say a silver lining to this, even if you win this Iowa game, it would have been good because obviously seven and four is better than six and five. But if you had won this, Minnesota still won anyway. Yep. You're done in the oh, Big yeah. Ten West anyway. I should have started with that. The Big Ten title. Hopes oh, are that was They're crazy, gosh. though, like to see the graphics. They had it on game day and <laughs> on this one. Teams in the hunt for a Big Ten title <sighs> were Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa or Minnesota. Illinois. I'm we like, were well, more that so, is weird. We were more so in the hunt than Michigan because Michigan needed Rutgers. Yeah, Iowa to, had been eliminated. Iowa was eliminated. Only one team mattered in terms of Big Ten title implications in this game, and it was Illinois. That's insane. Yeah. And you know what? Again, progress. I, as I look at today's game. I'm fine game, with what happened today. Yeah. I am too. Disappointing while you're watching it. And Sure. But I do like the feeling, though, and not to pile on Beckman because we all love Tim Beckman. I but, love Timmy B. But the infamous, oh, 17 plays away. Well, you were really <laughs> about three or four in this game. And oh, to yeah. me, the key of a team that's progressing and one that you could look at next to your schedule and say, well, that should be another 7-8 win year. I'm looking at this Illinois team in this win streak, and there have been lucky breaks. Yeah. But in the Michigan State game, for example, there were just as many bad breaks and mistakes as there were good breaks and big plays. And I'm thinking that sort of offset in that game. In this Iowa game, if you were to pile up all the lucky breaks that Illinois got, you might put officiating in there. I felt like officiating oh, was on Illinois' sure. side. Yeah, I yeah. think they got way more calls than Iowa did. Targeting, I don't, I, I don't think officials consciously make makeup calls but i feel like if it was a 50 50 call that lead official that knew that they'd was, screwed up earlier in the that game. was more well, than and the 50, definition 50. that he leaves the game for concussion protocol but it wasn't targeting is also just kind of ridiculous After in he principle to me it right yeah. two seconds before yeah that, was, that, that looked like textbook targeting to me so with northwestern looming with northwestern looming i'm thinking okay you go out and you beat those guys by three scores mm-hmm. then you continue on this path because it really is for me this year was all about eye test. I presumed that they would go five and seven. And after the two and four start, I didn't even know if they'd get three more wins, <laughs> let alone one. Yeah. Uh, well, Rutgers, that was going to be the given. But the thing for me was eye test, and today the defense especially, run defense. Yes, Nate oh Stanley seemed to gain 20 yards every pass. And that was frustrating. 
but you kept them at bay. You kept them under 20 points at home despite them averaging about 20 yards per completion. Yeah, mm-hmm. the run defense was Oh, I don't remember the last time I've seen an Illinois run defense look that good. Against Iowa. Against Iowa. I mean, like stuffed in the backfield. Every single (laughs) play. I mean, the last time, I mean, you take out the Purdue game because of the rain, but when was the last time we did that to a... I mean, a, honestly, a Big Ten team. Jonathan Taylor got shut down by us. He did. He did. But as still, he had a couple. But he had a few breakaway of, runs. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember one this game. And it's not just they'd get one yard or two yards every time. It was every time you'd see Dele or Milo Mila, whatever you want to say. Tamir Oliver. Yeah, in the backfield making big hits. Now, making, to be fair, yeah. Iowa's running game is like second to last in the Big Ten. Yeah. So you probably should be doing that. But you know what? We saw. Nothing's a given, right? So Nothing's a given. The Michigan game earlier this year in that first half, I remember a stat flashing across the screen seven minutes into that game that Michigan had already gained more rushing yards in those seven minutes. (laughs) The first two drives were like four plays, four runs, and six plays, five runs, and two touchdowns for Michigan. Yep. So again, for me, the encouraging thing, players will come and go uh, regardless of who the coach is. But if you're talking about building a program long term and if this lovey ball thing is going to work. It damn near did, despite the turnover battle, you losing That's that true. by two. Lovey Ball didn't work today, and you almost won in spite of it. Yeah. But right. we do need to talk, if we're going to mention Lovey, of course, at the end of the first half. And this might have changed the complexion of the game. And I remember during halftime, I'm thinking, don't let that be the turning point. Ultimately, it wasn't because you're you off still You drove right down the field the, next, the first drive of the third quarter. Right. right? So, so. W- and when that happens, you kind of negate what came before it. In other words, you should have Agreed. done more in the third quarter to negate that mistake. So here's the situation for those, uh, just a refresh. It is 16 seconds to go in the first half. This was right after, by the way, uh, Iowa had just missed a field goal. Right. To give you the ball back. Uh, fourth and six. It was, I don't mind the going for it call. No, no. I get 55-yard field goal, and there was a bit of a win because we saw, I think, uh, two kickoffs today that were kicked that direction were returnable, mm-hmm. not the other way around. So there was about a 10-mile-per-hour wind, according to people that were there. Okay, so you aren't going to kick it. You probably aren't going to make that, and you still would have left Iowa about 10 seconds left on the clock to take one shot and then make a field goal I feel themselves. like Iowa would have kneeled, though, but that's just an aside. You're probably Cause right. Because they, they would be on their own 40, and it's Iowa. Iowa. Though I don't know, Kirk if you Friends mean went if for you, some fourth downs today, and I'm thinking maybe he, he did. Taken a Do shot. you mean if you had thrown I mean, an incompletion? I mean, say Illinois just throws an incompletion, they take about I don't know five seconds off that 16. Say there's 11 seconds left in the first half, and Iowa would have to go 70 yards. Yeah, they're probably just going to take a knee. You right? would probably or maybe throw a hail mary because you have the wind at your back. Maybe, but you know, it I just, it did bother me. What he it was such a quick sack, and that's kind of you're you're watching that play unfold, and you're thinking. That's the one thing you didn't want to have well, happen. Right. On a safety blitz, right? I, I mean, this was, is I, mean, I, I was sent the house. I mean, you could see, and again, Millen, who lo- loves, oh my God, loves to step man. all Millen. over, lo- loves to step all over Kugler. He goes, "They're sending everybody. They're sending everybody." <laughs> but I mean, he was right. There was another one today where he's got him, he and then it was him. incomplete. Yeah, wasn't it? Peters aired it out. You couldn't see where the throw was going. It was Caleb Reams down the sideline that he said, he's got him. And there was an incompletion. I'm like, what the hell, him Matt? Him and O'Donnell are cut from the same cloth. Oh, but so as we was, said, was, Martin's the hometown guy. singing yeah. happy birthday. I don't know what the hell. Yeah. Matt Millen was He called. He calls people, today. what's their name? I enjoy, I enjoy watching <laughs> yeah, he him. does. I enjoy listening I to Matt like Millen. Him. I told oh, you guys, I kind of like the... He just doesn't give a bleep about anything. But, I mean, there's it's a little thing where he's saying, look at that. I love that. The O-line standing over there and the skill positions over there. I'm like, yeah, Matt, you played football. You know that's how <laughs> every team ever has done I mean, done he it. led the Lions so in 16. So that's impressive. Nothing's yeah. a given. Yeah. He was a, an analyst before he became GM, though, right? He was doing yep, broadcasting. Yep, and then and he stepped GM. into the GM role for one season, for one got year. fired back to the booth. Some <laughs> moron. <laughs> Anywho, before now keep in mind before this fourth down, yep. there was a play that Peters had to scramble to his left, and he threw it at Dinier Dinier. Is that right? Navarro? 
Dianer. Why am I thinking Dianer Navarro? Was that a baseball player? A prospect back in the day? Dianer Navarro. Yep. That was a, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a Cubs player. That's right. Okay. He was, so he was traded to the White Sox. Donnie Navarro. He had three I don't home know runs in one game. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that specifically. Okay, but good. Anyways, so I'm yeah, not, that's okay. Dianer. There was a guy that existed named <laughs> Dianer Navarro. Okay, so Donnie Navarro, it lands at his feet. Kind of like his he ankles. Caught he should have caught, caught it. That it ball. was weird. So then you got a first down, and you're still in line to yep. at least get a field goal, have this thing tied up. But that doesn't happen. Now it's fourth and six, and then you call not one but two timeouts. Now here's my yeah, issue. Can I just was, preface this real yeah. quick by saying hardly any of this bothered me? But continue. I'll say why it didn't bother me after you. But go continue. On. The two timeouts bothered me because after the first one, you still had one in your pocket mm-hmm. that if you convert it, you can call the timeout and kick the field goal. Right, right. If but, you but, get the first, you still probably have time to spike it. Yeah, that's the I thing, it. though. Is like it. with 16 seconds, you're just running a quick out. I mean, you're not going deep over the middle, so you'd have 12, 11. The clock stops because it's a first down, so you'd have plenty of time to get up there. And you don't need another timeout. Uh, I, I don't know. It just seems like a a safety valve if well, you need. Sure, it, if you need. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I get that. I just I feel like the reason why that was criticized was because Iowa sent the house and blew up the play. Which really has nothing to do with what Lovey was doing. Yeah, it was a good call by them. And then the reason know. why Iowa got a field goal is because you actually let them gain 15 yards on first down. Yeah, that's on your defense. Like, like it wasn't directly. I I don't agree with the idea that it was directly Lovey's fault for calling two timeouts that Iowa scored a field goal. And my thought process with this, and this might be I don't know applicable or not, but he missed that field goal really badly and then you get the ball it's kind of like he's making up for it i mean if you give him a chance twice from there he's going to make one of them and you did. yeah but, so, I, but i i don't want to downplay it I, I get what you guys are saying ultimately that you still had a chance on defense to make the play to keep them out of field goal range and, and you go still had a chance on offense seven. to make the play to convert the first down and it's by, just that i didn't in, give you a chance yeah. in hindsight i'm probably not kicking that field goal because then again iowa still gets field position they would get it at the spot of where he kicked mm-hmm. it right yeah so they get an extra five yards yep. it might have taken a little bit longer but uh, okay, i don't know I, I just i don't have a huge problem with that because yeah. all year we've been you know pining for lovey to be more aggressive and at he the was end of yeah half, i had no problem with it and he is and that's kind of what happens i feel like i can't of the criticize three, this because i've been the one saying you have to be more aggressive at the end of a half of the three options field goal go for it or punt i was I was saying go for it all the way because we didn't. The wind had looked bad for Blake earlier in the game, so you just felt like he's not going to make it from this far out, which was evidence from uh, from the third quarter. He missed a fifty yarder. Okay, so now what was so funny, you would not have, if you would have punted, punted well, it. That's, at that I, point, I, I would that, that's that's right. the funny part is after the game, Isaac Trotter tweets out that Lovey says he'd like to do that over again. And if he could, he would have punted it. No, now, he's considering now, it. Now he there, was considering there, it. I laugh because I think, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, right, like the choice is either kick a long field goal or go for it. I don't know why you'd punt it from well, your own. Well, I mean, obviously, if you tell him if you go for this, you'll give up three more points first. If you punt it, well, of course, it'll go ten to seven. Obviously, you would take it then, but. I mean, I feel like what he should have said is, yeah, we're going for that 10 times out of 10. You know what? You're right, actually. He did say explicitly, if I had to do it over again, I would punt the ball. That made me yeah. laugh because I don't understand that. I don't. I just I, th- I feel like the result of the play, which had nothing to do with Lovey calling two timeouts, clouds our judgment too much of what he should have done there. That's no, just it was my right call. That's it was just the right my call. Opinion. But I understand the hesitancy to say, OK, so you get 40 seconds during a timeout to think about what you're doing. It was weird. And then after 39, you're like, oh, crap, I still don't know what I'm doing. And you call another timeout. Like, I understand the the principle of the idea that within 40 seconds of a timeout, a head coach should have decided by then what he's going to do. Yeah. But I don't really have a huge problem with it because Chase missed a field goal in the first half. So if you're saying that that Iowa field goal at the end of the first half helped directly cost Illinois the game, well, so did Chase's missed field goal because then it still would have been a one-possession game if he'd made that. 
The story of the game was Brandon Peters, ultimately. Because I think it's an interesting discussion to have, because I don't know what to make of him. I don't either, because I think he's going to be a fifth-year senior next year. And yeah. he's, in all likelihood, going to be the starter, unless Isaiah Williams is just yeah. a monster in camp. And I get it, because Brandon Peters, he elongates plays with his feet. We saw today that he had, let's see here, 76 rushing yards. He's a fast guy. He's sneaky fast. And then 16 for 31, 125. I mean, God. So here, here's the deal, though. Would have been more yardage than that if he had not screwed up the halfback. Uh, what was that? The flea flicker that was thrown right at the Iowa guy after it looked like Josh had gotten bumped off of his route. I wish we'd seen a replay of that because Bebe was out of bounds when he threw that. So I don't really understand what either Brandon saw or what the defender did to Josh. On this, like I, I don't, I don't know what happened there. What, what is it with trick plays in Iowa City? I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Geronimo Allison, wide receiver. Pass. I was thinking trick plays this year because you had who was it against that Trenard Davis threw like a duck to the end zone that looked that like was it Purdue. Was, oh, that okay. was my favorite uh, play rain. of that game. I mean, it's just it's just the worst pass I've ever seen. That's a trick play. Didn't work. Uh, Dominic Stampley fumbles when you have that double reverse pitch earlier was in the year. Against like UConn, I, I want to say it was against yeah. UConn. That was a fumble. Yeah, to start the second half when you were driving. But look at this, that. though. But like the trick plays this year, you've gone like 0 for 6. And this is where I think Rod Smith overall had a good game. I think in the second half he had a good game because he started running the ball more. But yeah. ultimately, Reggie Corbin, despite being hurt in the first half, he only gets six carries. Dre Brown gets seven. And again, he was kind of hampered with an injury, too. But in the fourth quarter, uh, it just seemed like even on the third and two, I know Peters have been running it well. But it does seem like you're playing a bit with fire the more and more you run a quarterback who's not technically a running quarterback. Yeah. And and that, of course, is easy to say in hindsight. No, you're right, if he though, just holds I mean, on to the stupid ball, we wouldn't... You have the first down there, right. and maybe you go down and score something. Because I mean, the, the, lead, the reason yeah. why the Brandon Peters runs work are because no one respects it. So if you yeah. do it too much, I understand what you're saying to where now they will scheme it. Yeah, you know? but you also have to assume... I mean, as the quarterback, you have to assume... It's, it's kind of like... Going for it on fourth and goal. You're doing that because you expect your team to make it. You have confidence yeah, in your team. You're not going into that play as the, yeah. as the play caller going, well, we might screw this Yeah, up. You, 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 you run that play saying, Brandon, we trust what you're going to do. You hand it off if he's going to be able to get it. You keep it if you're going to be able to get it. You're not going into that saying, well, if he... You know, he's probably going to try to die for that first and get it punched out. He's not great with ball right. security. No, you expect your gu- your quarterback to be able to hold on to the football. My thing is simply, you said, Brandon, we trust what you're going to do. And I don't know if I 100% trust what he's going to do. I don't trust him either. But and- the coaches have to. No, I get That's that. I saying. get that. I'm just saying macro. I know this was only his, what, 15th co- collegiate start. It's not like he was starting at Michigan. And against a good years. defense. So I get that. Would you for, say the best defense this year? Or that was, we face? I mean, technically, Michigan State's is ranked higher, but... Oof. Is it really? It. Yeah, we saw how that turned out. Hmm. Maybe I was You know, I was actually thinking at the end of the first half and in the fourth quarter, because the offense just by nature had to speed it up, right? And and mm-hmm. the way that drive was going at the end of the first half, I thought, we're going to take the lead here. And then you get the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought it would be 14-13, and then you get the ball to start the second half. 14-10. A 14-10, yeah. Right, yeah. And then you saw in the fourth quarter, too, the, the mix mixing in the run plays in that fourth quarter, there were two drives in particular where Dre and Reggie were just running and, and gashing them for about 9, 10 yards a carry. And I thought, one of these guys is going to break one, get to the end zone. That was ultimately the drive where Peters made an unbelievable Unbelievable play to keep that thing yeah. alive and just overthrew Justice Williams in the end zone. If that Barely. had been Bebe, he would have caught it. Probably. But to Peters, it's frustrating because I I look at him and the way Matt Millen, if you want to take his no. expert advice, <laughs> the way Matt Millen looks at him. I feel him, like I have to fight for Matt Millen at this table. <laughs> but. He loves Brandon Peters and I'm thinking to myself, well, listen, if Matt Robinson had been playing that whole game, you were not in the same position you are. Correct. You, you don't want to see this offense without Brandon Peters for long stretches of time. Right. 
On the other hand, why can't we have our cake and eat it too? Why can't we have the quarterback that makes those plays and doesn't have the boneheaded plays to go with it? And maybe you get that with senior year Brandon Peters, not this year, as yeah. you said. I mean, it's kind of what starts. you get for a third string transfer quarterback that, that you get, right? I mean, had he fallen all the way down to three? I thought he was third string at Michigan at one point hmm. behind Patterson and somebody else. I, I wasn't sure. I, I just I either way, that's kind of, of him starting. It's kind of what you expect from him, I guess, on paper coming into Illinois, so it shouldn't be a huge shock that he gives you some and then he takes some away. But it the the frustrating part is that the plays where he takes something away are just dumb, right? Like the I, interception against Michigan State where it's just a, a – yeah. The thing that's encouraging for me is that we've seen enough flashes. And I remember we go all the way back. I think it was probably the Akron game where he had this play where he's getting sacked, and as he's getting sacked, he hits Smalling. Yep. And I remember right there saying, this looks like a guy who throughout this season is going to have some spectacular plays. And he had some of those. Eastern like, Michigan or, even. I mean, I know you wanted to forget that game, but there was yeah, two fourth downs on that last drive. You know who he kind of reminds me of a little bit because of the flashes of uh, a spectacular moments, and then he kind of has some boneheaded plays? He's got a little bit of Trubisky in him. Oh. Just a little No, I, I see that. I do see that. Jesus. I think if you go <laughs> back leaving. to the UConn game, though, there was the pick six early on. And at that moment, because yep. he really had a clean game against Akron. I don't think there were any picks or fumbles. Yeah. No, no. I mean, we, we just, I think every, in all facets, you were fine in that game. Yeah. And then we're thinking, well, you go to UConn and you're a 20-point favorite. But that the moment that there was the pick six, are, ever since then, I pucker up when I watch Brandon Peters. I'm always nervous well, that something bad Well, the first throw today was happen. an interception, right? Was first it the first or second? Throw? It was the first, first or drive. second. Yeah. Man. Okay. So this is a game where he kept you in it, but at the same time, if he just makes yeah. two less bad plays, you have a shot to win it late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I'm looking at this, though, and I'm thinking if he has these spectacular moments, you have one more year with him, depending if he is the guy that comes back next year. I mean, I think it's the first time in a couple of years you're going in and not feeling great at the quarterback position but you're feeling like it's not going to be a it shouldn't be a liability right you more or less know what you have yeah is that fair because coming into this year you're like I'm, i was excited for the akron game because i truly didn't know what i was going to be watching yeah next year if all stays status quo and maybe you add a few pieces you kind of know what you're getting game one right yeah and i think that would be nice i think you look at him and say he kind of <laughs> Kind of similar to Trubisky again, where you're coming into this year. Uh, well, no, no, I'm just saying where you're this. coming into this year with Mitch saying he should take a step forward. And I, I think should. that's what you that, and I know he obviously hasn't, but that's kind of the same mindset you're going to go with Brandon Peters going into next year. I get what you're saying. I have more faith in Rod Smith than I do Matt Nagy, because <laughs> if you look at what Rod Smith has done two years <laughs> now, with, sad, but I know, true. but but with first A.J., Bush. A. Thank J. you. Bush. <laughs> Why did I forget his name? I remember Dinier Navarro, but I can't remember yeah, A.J. Bush. Yeah. Between A.J. Bush and then who were some of the other starters last well, year? Well, it was Rivers and Bush because they right, were yeah. two natural elements. I don't okay. know why I remember that. But the I fact mean, that... Not an element, but yeah, you know, there's a Bush and a River, you know. He's been able to put together functional offenses with different kinds of quarterbacks. Yep. So I am optimistic for another year of Brandon Peters in the system. I think he's your starter. He probably still gives you a better shot than Isaiah Williams would next year. But the way college football is, that doesn't mean you can't play Isaiah Williams quite a bit. And don't forget, I, this is random, but C.J. Dixon's a four- or five-star quarterback who's committed and coming that's here right, next year. Yeah. I know that's kind of random. He probably would redshirt if he could. But Do you feel like Illinois has gotten more breaks this year than usual? Because I was having a discussion with some people oh, last sure. night about this. Absolutely. So, but, and, and I, this is what worries me long-term. If you want to really stabilize something, you got to make two bowl games in a row. And next year, we look at the schedule. We get all optimistic. You should start 4-0. 
You should. What was the fourth game? Rutgers? Rutgers. Right. So you got the three and then you got Rutgers. And then you. I like the home games you get because you go they're all Nebraska, I think, Purdue, Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, if you are having. Other than your, Ohio State. If no. you if you have your Minnesota year, next, what they're doing right now, if you have that uh, this year or next year, you start 4-0. And then if you're really you know, going full Minnesota, then you should start. You should start 7-0. If you are doing, if you're doing I that, I don't like kind at of, Nebraska in year three. But if, I feel like they'll actually, yeah, be I think they'll be year, a little but. bit better. But I'm saying, if you have everything kind of coming together, that's that's the best start you yeah. can hope for in the Big Ten. Yeah, and you kind of have to because the back half is not pretty. You have Iowa. You, you have go Ohio Iowa State. at Indiana, and that's not. I mean, you look that's at that and go, oh, at Indiana, but they're about to have eight or nine wins. Then you go Ohio State at Northwestern as your last four. That's why I feel like this game was important because I don't get the same sense that we could backslide to the. To the degree that we have with other coaches, okay? Yeah. So, Ron Turner, there was no indication that the year after the Micron PC, they were only going to go 5-6. and six. They had no business going 5-6, and six, but they did. Or just yesterday on Twitter, they had the Flashback Friday with Illinois-Iowa 2008. And I don't like watching those highlights because I know what came next. Yeah. They lost to Western Michigan and Northwestern, and they missed out on a bowl game the year after the Rose Bowl. So that's why I asked the question, overall, has Illinois gotten just... The question, I guess, would be how many breaks? Or like, are they a really lucky team or just moderately uh, lucky? Do they create their own I don't own think luck? they're really lucky. Yeah, I think if you look at the games that they've won in the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't say there was any luck involved in Purdue and Rutgers. Purdue you, was a wire-to-wire and Rutgers was what it was. People would argue yeah. that the luck in the Purdue game were, was, were the, the conditions. The conditions. Right. But I still think that I, you were dominant enough in that game that both teams were playing in those condi- conditions that you deserve to win that game. I would agree. The Wisconsin one, that's interesting. That's super lucky in my well, opinion. Um, I don't well, know just, how okay, super lucky. Okay. Do you have instances? It was a good game, but think about the fact that Taylor was about to punch it in and make it 30-14. to 14 That's the one. That's When he fumbles, yeah. and then you take it down and score, and instead are down by that's, one. That's the one that I think, but that's also making your own luck, because you force that turnover. But no, you're right. That is the one where I think that's probably the luckiest play you have there, because you know the shooting sh- tackle by Witherspoon, yep, you that did too. that. Yeah. Witherspoon is really... Yeah, you made he that play. He could be something. I, you, I, I like that kid's moxie. <laughs> What is this, well, he also wasn't. <laughs> he also wasn't here until like August twentieth. Yeah. I like his get up and go. You have the uh, the touchdown drives by Peters and you know Imater Bebe with that long catch. You're mm-hmm. you're doing things where it's like you're not getting calls. You're making your own luck. You make you get that pick late in the game to set up the field goal. I think you had a couple breaks go your way. I think last week, anytime you have a huge comeback, you have to have some lucky bounces. I mean, right. a and fourth I, and 16, a I, pick six. Yeah, but the, the thing with that is I hesitate to call it that lucky because Michigan State also just crapped the bed in the second half. Well, right? yeah. For every comeback, there was a collapse. But, yeah. But that was an, a, right. a but, special collapse that might have ended the D'Antonio Today era. being close was important for the narrative that it wasn't all just luck. I think that helps. For over the last six weeks, Yeah, because right? I because don't want to... If I, you lose 42-10 today, then... And I'm not saying I'd necessarily 100% buy into this, but the narrative can be shaped that Wisconsin was a strong game, but Michigan State was the greatest comeback in program history. So you could call that a fluke, I suppose. Purdue was just a slosh fest. I mean, it, was, it wasn't going to be a good game no matter what. And you were tied with Rutgers at halftime. Yeah. So you, if you frame it that way... After a bad loss today, then you're going, okay, so how good are they? Yeah, no, I was thinking but that too. This I, seems to indicate for me that they're pretty this good. This is, this is, I'm looking at this optimistic. I think that's where you can look at it is you're optimistic after this loss. As optimistic as you can be after a loss. Yeah, I would agree with that. I just don't want to expend the luck quotient too early and then get to next year and then we aren't getting any lucky breaks and we stumble to a five and well, seven that, record. Yeah, it's I mean, a, a, a very favorable schedule, all things considered. Illinois fans, because they're so desperate for this stuff, tend to get really high on the on the good and really low on the bad. 
So, I mean, you're seeing like, well, we could go to Indy. If we went out, there's a small <laughs> chance it's a holiday or a Rose Bowl. Like, they tend to do that. Can so. I be honest? That thought never even entered my mind today. Not even when it was close in the first half. And in the Minnesota game, they took an early lead. I was keeping an eye on that score I just was. for the fun of it. There was but. a you time were, okay. when it was 28-16 and you were down 13-7. to hmm. And I think you were driving... When that was happening, Let's check that Wisconsin score and real just quick thought, and see if it would have yeah, mattered. Are they playing right now? They yeah. started at three. How Let's about see. Ohio State? Just absolutely. I know that ended up being an eleven-point game against Penn State, but they own them wire to wire. I tell you really. what, Michigan's probably going to lose in Indiana. We're all we're all What's dating this episode immediately because <laughs> they might They're very probably well. Probably gonna <laughs> just look at it later as Michigan, we're recording this. It is fourteen fourteen the second quarter. Indiana at home, man, and they always wow. play well against Michigan they and Ohio do. They State. They really do at it's home. It's weird. It is. It's not like that's it's no. Ryan Field over there. Well, I mean, I mean, it's not that great of a home environment. When you do it that right. often, it, you got to say it's a good home field advantage. And then Wisconsin with an early lead against Purdue, seven to three, but maybe Purdue kind of just hangs around. And back to your point of, I almost wanted to lose this game for the sense of if you're eight and four. And just get crazy. Say they win the bowl game. You're going into next year having set the bar at nine wins. <laughs> it was the Rose know? Bowl like, dilemma. Right, right. Right. Like, I almost want this year to just be sort of mediocre so that you can build on it instead of having this year be so good that next year is inevitably going to be worse no but matter you know what, what you do. I feel like when you say that, I've had the same exact thought, but that is the Illini fan in us that's playing sure. yeah, of course, a defense mechanism yeah. because we've dealt with it before. But then the other part, back to the Peters idea, why can't we have our cake and eat it too? Why couldn't they have won today, gone eight and four, make the Outback Bowl oh, by some cool. grace of, you know, and then next year come right back out and win another eight games. But here's the good news. You have Northwestern on the schedule and... This is a great opportunity. I think there is a difference between six and six and seven and five. Oh, take take difference. the opponent out of it. Like let's just say you actually had a decent opponent coming in next next mm-hmm. week, but it's a winning record, and it, yeah. it's it assures that regardless of the bowl game, you have a winning record in yeah, Lovey's fourth year. Yeah. I think that matters. Yeah, no, couple operators in six and seven. My worst fear was that today would be a bad loss, and then next week would be a close win. So then you would have a month to sit on. Was that again? I. I don't want to call it a fluke because it would be a gross mischaracterization to call the last month a fluke. Yeah, I agree. But if you lose today 42-10 and you win on a walk-off field goal next week, no. 2017, <laughs> I will... you're sitting there for that month going like, okay, so how good is Illinois? I will say this. After this kind of loss against Iowa, and I don't know if I'm in the minority right now, but I'm thinking next week, just win. I, I, I know, obviously, you want to win by multiple scores, but... I would not be surprised if, like you said multiple times, Carp, if Pat Fitzgerald gets his troops rallied up to oh, come in here God. and try to get string quarterback. Especially if Robinson's starting. Yeah, and try to get their one Big Ten win against their rival. But because I, I could this see week, it. Because this week was close and competitive, I wouldn't be as concerned about the long-term implications of next week being close. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know I, I think mean? next week you look at it and say, if you if you win that one close, you say, my goodness, okay, you know what? They played their ass off and you had a bad game and you still won. That's after a, a month and a half of great football from this team. Well, and I would think, that's too, the yeah. way that you lost to Iowa is not the sort of game that's going to lend itself to hangover effect, one of my favorite narratives. The idea, like, let's say that you tie that game up and then you have a chance to win it on a field goal. And then it goes triple OT. Right. It wasn't right. a heartbreak. Yeah. It was so kind of just a dud. Not a heartbreaker. So you won't really have, I think, that mental hangover going into this week. And then the other component, too, is the Lovey Smith revenge tour. He almost got it done against Iowa. <laughs> And you look at Northwestern, and he's winless against Northwestern. That's one of my favorite narratives, really? by the way, is the revenge tour. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why. I just they like to kick out of Northwestern in his first three years. No, no the last no. time we beat him was uh, Timmy so B. I guess that is a little bit of a monkey to get yep. off the back. Five okay. years ago, right. and the last All bowl team God. that you had. 
This is going to be the five-year anniversary of me tearing my meniscus on Thanksgiving. Happy anniversary. Oh, Harry. my God. So yep. I, I do think, I don't know how much style points matter. I don't want to enter the fourth quarter in a one-score game against freaking Northwestern. I don't know if I can do that. Right. And I do think there is a recipe to this game where you just run the ball down their stupid little throats with Ray Brown and Reggie Corbin. <laughs> their stupid, their little, stupid throat. little throats. Who had a combined 13 carries today. So it's not like they had a whole lot of work, and it's not mm-hmm. like they're going to take a whole lot of time to recover. They should be good to go. And even if Peters is out there, Peters is someone to me, he's not really he's not throwing for 300 yards a game minus the Michigan he's State He's a game, game manager more often A game manager not. that does have the ability to make a big play, yep. but I do want to limit the plays he has to make. Make it. That's fair. Put the onus on your running backs. They're the best guys on your offense. And you see consistently with this team, whether it be the Rutgers game or even the Michigan State game, where they were getting some runs that were going for 15, 20 yards. If you can just go into halftime up, let's say 17-7, again, not many style points against Northwestern, then I think you can come out and control that game with the run. I was looking at this game, and tell me if, if you guys were feeling this as well. Northwestern or Iowa? The Iowa game. Okay. When you get when it's down 16-10 uh, to 10 and you're getting the ball back with, what was it, seven minutes, eight yep. minutes? You get the ball back around the 40-yard line, and all that I'm thinking is when they showed that stat earlier in the game with Brandon Peters having the two game-winning drives in the last four games. And for a second, I thought... I think we're going to score here. I don't know I how too. we're going to do it. Well, yeah. and, and you know, well, you know what? That's, it was so similar to 2015. That is encouraging to think that. That's you know, true. Which you know, it's something we haven't had for a long time. And I mean, he had a really good. Again, I know Eastern Michigan was lost, but he had a really clutch drive he, to take you down the yeah. field and score the game tying touchdown. So that's at least three game winning or game tying or game winning drives he's he's engineered this year. Yeah, exactly. He's also missed like three games with a concussion. Three games. Two games. I mean, he what missed Michigan. It? Well, he missed the Michigan second half. And he, but he got knocked out of the previous game. What was the Minnesota game? You're right. And Matt Robinson. Wait, did, he didn't play against Michigan. No, he didn't play against Michigan. Period. Yeah. So he missed second, eight quarters. He didn't play the second half against Minnesota. Okay. So wow, I didn't know that. I didn't. I, full disclosure, I didn't watch a lick of the Minnesota game. Well, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> I watched. But we <laughs> that were at was a probably wedding. Probably the worst loss of the much. year, ironically enough. I mean, just in terms of, I mean, Eastern Michigan's the worst loss, but. It is, but the Minnesota game to me looked like the white flag was being I mean, thrown that just already. Wasn't even close, yeah. And that was when you were two and three after that game, and then you were two and four right. inevitably. So and this it is, is so crazy to consider two and is. four with a loss to Eastern Michigan at home, and you're sitting there going, "Okay, if we get eight wins, we're going to the Big Ten title game in the same season." Just <laughs> over a month. What? Just over a month, and, and we of course say after that. Michigan game, no one would have predicted the four-game win streak, let alone if you would have said back then, oh, by the way, you're also going to go to Iowa City and compete with the top 20 Iowa team for as long as you did, even though they win the turnover battle by two, and your quarterback, despite some good plays, continues to shoot the offense in the foot. That would be a really long-winded explanation to tell someone. (laughs) Just know that later, this is all (laughs) going to happen. How do you know these specifics? Well, I got Biff Tannen's sports almanac, of course. (laughs) Good reference, by the way. Yeah, right. Uh, So ultimately, we're feeling optimistic, I I feel like. And the Northwestern game is one of those that I, on on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm probably at a 3 in terms of anxiety. I think they ultimately get it done. I don't want to sell Northwestern's terribleness short. They are terrible this year. Yep, I could see a Rutgers-like point of that game where you're like, oh, okay, this is 7-7 late in the second quarter. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I think at some point they pull away. I, I could see that as well. I mean, the games that I've watched Northwestern this year, 
were um, obviously the ones that I've watched have been kind of indicators that they still kind of have hints of last year in them. They kept it close with Wisconsin, although Wisconsin was not playing well that game. No. And then they kept it close against Purdue. I think Purdue needed a game winning field goal in that one. But even Purdue is not. That what was they that were Ryan Field, year. though. We know that all vaunted Ryan, Ryan I mean, they are Field. They really bad, crowd. though. Like they're on their fourth string quarterback. And he actually was, what, eight for 10 today? And he can run a little bit, I think. But the encouraging thing to me today, at the end of it, was that the defense against Iowa's run, which I know has not been good this year, but it's still Iowa. And I'm thinking, well, they got the big guys up front, and they're naturally going to have some talent. Northwestern was able to run the ball effectively against Minnesota today. And I'm thinking, well, that's fine, because our strength is run defense. Yep. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's going to be that easy or not, but you are going to force a third or fourth string quarterback to make throws. Mm-hmm. And if you get a Tony Adams back, I don't know how bad that injury was or was I mean, not. It looked like he was concussed, didn't he? Yeah. He, the way he was shaken up, yeah. So, But then again, you got Weatherspoon back there making plays. I guess the other kind of storyline this year, all these names that we would not have considered before the season that have actually turned into pretty good-looking players, whether it be Navarro, a walk-on, who's now yeah. a scholarship. Whether Buried it be on the depth chart earlier. Witherspoon, who you were not, you don't have this record without Witherspoon. Yeah, I know mean, Shabano has really, been really good. Right, and even uh, Tolson. Coming yeah. in for handsome, yeah. looking yeah. like he, you're going to be okay at the linebacking yeah. position. Like you should be missing a beat when you're missing two of your three best defensive but the, players. You know, but that's really not. That's saying something to the depth on this team, which is encouraging. But then it's kind of a double-edged sword because then you ask yourself, well, if you have this much depth, then you kind of know the team that you are. You can put all your starters back in. You might be a little bit better, but you're probably not going to get that much better when you're. And, and that's a good problem yeah, I mean, to have. Yeah, I'd rather just be about the same no matter who's in the game. Exactly. Much better exactly. when your ones are in the game than well, your twos. And yeah. that is what you look at with an Iowa or a Wisconsin, yep. where these nameless guys continue to get churned out of those programs and they continue to win seven, eight games a year. Well, that and was the thing is, like, that game looked like an Iowa Wisconsin game. It did. Which is what you've been crooning for. That's yeah. what you've been wanting is like a low-scoring, battle-in-the-trenches type game. Crooning? Croon. Isn't that singing? Is that the right word? I wish we Crooning could for? compete. <laughs> I can't croon. Mm. I can't. Frank Sinatra's a crooner. Oh, okay. Old he, blue eyes. He has one of the best natural voices ever, right? He does. Blue-eyed crooner, but He also seems him. to just completely... <laughs> Mr. Cool was his first <laughs> name. Call him That's that. why they he call him that Robinson. He just completely <laughs> ignore like... The melody of a song, because he'll just like leave out words and just yeah. hey, <laughs> <laughs> like like he'll just do his own thing. Like if the words are like just the way you look tonight, he'll just go just look tonight. It's like what are you doing? Man, he, he makes it work, dude. He does. He, he does. does. He is Mr. Cool. He is Mr. Cool. He'd be even cooler if his name was Matt. <laughs> so right, right when Matt Ro- <laughs> Matt Sinatra, Matt Sinatra. <laughs> Matt Sinatra, right when Matt Robinson uh, misses that throw on fourth down. Matt Millen just goes, here's to you, Mr. Robinson. No, oh, That's what he said, yeah. And I'm like, he didn't make the throw. Like, <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Oh, my God. Um, I hope we get him for next week's stop. game. I, I don't like well, him. Well, it's on FS1, so it'll probably be someone even better. Gus Johnson. Oh, no, they've got Ohio State-Michigan. You're competing with them, actually. You're the only other Big Ten game in the 11 a.m. slot hmm. next week. Oh, Wow. Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois Northwestern. That's a channel flipper right there. (laughs) (laughs) Got to see what's going on in each one of these games. I really do hope. It's so weird with Illinois Northwestern because if you look at the last 20 years, Northwestern, the record against Illinois, it's ridiculous. And yet, for the most part, anytime Illinois has had a semi-decent team, they beat Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's this weird kind of skewed stat. We look like they're dominating the rivalry. I'm like, well, everyone's dominated Illinois those years. Yeah. So how impressive is it really right. that Pat Fitzgerald is eight and three or whatever he is against Illinois? I mean, well, he's the, lost to was Fitzgerald there in 07? 
He's been there for a long time. I think he he was there in 07. He lost to Zook in 07 in 2010. I think in 07, didn't he have a... Uh, I'll pull it up. What, what's the... Uh, and then in 2014, so he's lost Garrett three McGee times. Did he as his offensive coordinator? Way back in the day? I think he did. At Northwestern. At Northwestern. Where is sure. Garrick McGee now? He was like a video coordinator for oh, Missouri, boy. wasn't he? Idaho Okay, City so Trevor, you're looking up Pat Fitzgerald, Fat Fitzgerald. Fat Fitzgerald. I'm looking up Garrick McGee to see if he coached okay, under so this is Fitzgerald. Illinois Northwestern on Winsipedia that compares your wins. I think I know the record exactly. Is it... Take a guess. It, well, give me the amount of ties because I think it's like four five ties. Five ties. Is it like 55, 52, and five? Yes. 55, yeah. 52 in Illinois' favor with five ties. That yeah. is insane that that series is that close with how bad Northwestern is historically. Yeah. The but current I mean, win streak is obviously Northwestern with four. Look at this. You're right, Harry. Garrick McGee was the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach for Northwestern in 06, 07. Yeah, because I remember the one time I saw him wow. in a, uh, what's it? Um, Big Ten greatest games. He was the offensive <laughs> coordinator for them when they blew that lead against uh, Michigan State in the biggest comeback in the oh, history of college yeah, football. That's right. Okay. So since 2002, Illinois has won four times against Northwestern. So that would have been, let's see, 2010, 11, 7, 14, 10, 7. Your bowl years. 7, 7 10, 10, 11, and 14. 14. So that's so it. You hit bowl it on the years. head. That's the, exactly right. The year that you get to a bowl game, also you, you beat blow Northwest them Road. out. 47 33, 38 35 was close. 48 20, 41 20. What scares me is they might be due. Don't. Yeah. They're no, due? due. No, I really do think we shouldn't. For me, I you'd be 6 and 6, you go to a bowl game. It would be, in my eyes, just. Not outright disaster, because what does it mean? You go to the pinstripe bowl instead of... Well, you might go to the quick lane bowl. Well, you might go to the quick lane bowl. It's super anticlimactic, though. It would be just a... But if you finish... The Santa Barra coming out of a balloon. All that excitement now boils down to... People would be crooning. (laughs) I don't know what they'd be crooning, but they'd be crooning something. I think the scary thing then is you really don't want to finish this season after 6-4 and with a three-game losing streak to finish with a loss against uh, Northwestern to finish under 500. I mean, it's a, it's the season you kind of would have said you were okay with at the beginning of the year. Agreed. But not at the point that you've built yourself up to right now. Four and four in the Big Ten. Five and four sounds nice. And it, what it does when you win conference games, even with the Eastern Michigans are of the we, world. What are we now? We're four. Are we're we, four and four. Yep. So we can be above 500. In the Big uh-huh. Ten for the first time since. Oh, seven. Wasn't 2010's team? No, no they were four and four. They were you were so four and four, and then forth, two and yeah. six. Oh my god! And the thing is, it would be a hard-earned five and four. Yeah, with two really good wins and against if, good teams. Um, Wisconsin loses next week. You'd be tied for second with them at five and four, but you beat them. One other ah, thought about the schedule: that looks good. if so. you get to seven wins, if you get to seven wins, then that is also saying, hey, we didn't even need the Rutgers gimme to make a bowl. That's that's true. true. That's true. Just saying, I you had just that take thought. The Akron gimme now, instead. Say. Uh, and this question has been floated out there, and I think the answer is fairly certain that you'd rather have this path. But say they lose to Northwestern, they go 6-6. Six and six. At the end of the season, say they lose to Northwestern next week and you're deflated, mm-hmm. would you have rather seen they beat Eastern Michigan, um, they beat Purdue, they beat Rutgers, and they beat Northwestern to get to 6-6, six and six, or this, where you go also 6-6, six and six, but you beat Wisconsin, Michigan State? I think you're you're... You're probably 
better off with this okay. this kind of run that you had because you're looking at next game you can kind of say it's an aberration whereas if you finish the way you were saying with you need the win over Northwestern to get there a lot of people are having similar feelings to uh, 2014 yeah I'd agree with that I think it is finishing strong and that's why this game the style points might come into play in the second half just kind of make, make it a game where you are comfortable throughout and I think they can do that I, I don't think that Illinois will lose for certain and I just don't think Northwestern's offense is going to be good enough to score enough points I think it might be that simple. But for me to end the season on what would be a five and one six game stretch, right? Five and one yep. would be so advantageous as they go into the early signing period, which I don't know how many guys they're going to get. But when it comes to grad transfers, this is something that I'm going to pay close attention to because the success that they've had with virtually all of them, Trayvon Sidney was hurt. Okay, so that's but he's unfortunate. Hurt, right, yeah. But it's such a huge selling point. Not only yeah. does your team win. But all the guys we've brought in have worked. And all I know is that having grown up, Mike White was the name that kept getting thrown out. Mike White, man, when he was the coach, it was so much fun. Well, what he did was go out and get JUCO players, which is sort of the modern day JUCO in terms of, you know, the most popular alternate recruiting strategy. It's not JUCOs anymore. It's go out and get the grad transfers for one or maybe two years. I think you can plug in certain positions with fourth or fifth year guys. And you can continue to build the four year players of your own, uh, as we see with like a Witherspoon, right? Who, again, he didn't, you mentioned this earlier, he didn't come on campus yeah, until... Yeah, he was a late ad. I mean, maybe this coaching staff actually does have some evaluation ability. Maybe. I'd still like to see, and this is just a super random thing, but in this offseason, I'd still like to see... He's not going to fire Miles Smith, but I, I wouldn't mind an Austin Clark improvement if a coach out there is willing to come and coach up this D-line. And I, Though, I wasn't that part of the USC pipeline? Or I might just be No, yeah, he was, that. right. I, I don't necessarily think he's done a bad job, but I'd like to, if you're 7-5, and five, say you win your bowl game, you have eight wins, kind of sit back and reevaluate and say, well, we actually probably could go out and get better guys for this staff and this team. Right? Yeah, because they certainly would not get fired after next year. It's funny because it kind of goes hand in hand with, and this is a question I just thought of, and I there might be an obvious answer. And I might just be overthinking this, but would you rather have a coaching staff where you can look at it and say, we have these wins and we can improve upon it? Or would you rather have a coaching staff where you said other teams are trying to poach our guys? Do you know what so I you're mean? Saying like be a USC where if you're not the one, you might be transferred out elsewhere because someone person... else wants you at a higher position. You have someone waiting in the rings just to move on up. I don't that know. means you have a really good. I, I guess. Oh, you want that? Yeah, Bill, yes. You Bill want self that. had it where I think two of his assistants when he was here at Illinois went on to become head coaches, if not while he was at Illinois, within a year or two. And you want your guys to be. Um, uh, coveted, I guess would be the yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, for example, I remember Jay Price, and no offense to him, but I'm like, I don't. What? What? Why? I forgot Jay Price because he was here the entire time that Weber was here, he and was I don't the, know what uh, impact he did or did not have yeah, as a and coach. Then he went to coach the STM girls basketball team for a few years. So, if no one wants your guys, then you aren't really fostering any sort of yeah, but coaching then, tree right. that's worth anything. And on the but then the other side of it would be like you were saying, Trevor. What if this is a team that's doing this large in part because of the guys you have out there, not the coaches? And you're saying if we got a better coach on this right. team, it's it's kind of it similar situations because it has to do with coaches, but it's different in your approach to it. Like, I feel like our D-line should be better right now. And they've been Agreed. great against the run, but no pressure against Stanley. Yeah, Batika was a no-show. Against an offensive line that people were maligning all week and saying they weren't very good. As strange as it sounds, because I think, and I think, you know, Austin Clark, that's probably the direction you would go. As much as we've maligned uh, Miles Smith, a 
big part of the reason that you oh, are right, stopping man. the yeah. run is because of the linebackers. Now, no, Lovey is directly involved. Right? Yeah, but exactly. I can't, but again, but I'm not in the is, meeting rooms. I don't know how much Miles Smith is or is right. not doing, but he is the linebackers coach. My point is so if Miles wants to just keep learning or something and you can still go out there and get a better, more proven linebackers coach who's in, who's in tuned with your system or a better defensive line coach, maybe Austin Clark wants to move up somewhere. Like, I wouldn't disagree with that well does someone else want him though is the thing austin clark yeah he's still a young guy yeah so he could find a role maybe back out west or something i didn't mean to specifically target this at him i just mean after a good season there's just as much room to evaluate and improve well exactly i think saying like okay well this works so we're going to stick with exactly this forever that's the concern i don't want them to get stagnant but i do feel like i don't think they will but you have to look at it and what you have to say is are we doing well at these position groups because of the coaches or in spite of them and that's what the coach that's that's why you know the coaches get paid the big bucks as far as the higher ups lovey's got to look at that and he's got to make that evaluation because on the plus side let's say you do move on from uh miles smith let's just say he's not lovey's son right you move on from your linebackers coach and you get a new guy and bring him in and you see a marketable improvement well then you made the right decision but then let's say you take him out and then i mean it's obvious if you take him out and then you don't do as well then you say well you shouldn't have messed around with it right and then what happens if you leave him there and you kind of digress then people are going to be saying it's it's i I don't want there to be a hesitancy to change something just because yeah snapped into place and started working but at the same time i don't think you should actively go out there and try no 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 no. i just mean if someone calls up i would at least take the call right yeah yeah consider it whether that's a grad transfer or a coach or whoever where could nate where can nate shieldhouse fit in with all this i don't know iowa state's good they are good. I mean, if I were him, I would bide my time and become their offensive coordinator. He's the running back years. tight end coach there. Mm-hmm. I, I do wonder because you're paying Rod Smith a lot of money. And I, it's not like he's putting up numbers where he's going to get a head coaching gig after this year. I, that's I don't think good. I think he's right in that range where he's been pretty good for you, but not so good that he's going to leave. He could be, or you could get a better well, better football program that comes around and says, well, this guy's doing this at Illinois, so we want to bring him over. If that were to be the case... This is where it gets tricky because I want a guy like Nathan Shieldhouse back in the fold as soon as possible, but you'd probably have to give him the offensive coordinator job to do that. I wouldn't want to do that. And that would be taking a huge that risk. That would be like D. Brown becoming your top assistant if Orlando left or something. like, yeah, like Which I, I keep waiting for that to happen then, again because I do think eventually, eventually he'll be back in the Eventually, but fold. I don't want that to suddenly be the move. Agreed. But the thing yeah. is, if you are able to keep this kind of consistency with how good you have been this year and keep it going into next year and you were kind of at the same level with Iowa State, you have to prove that you're at the same level with Iowa State. you got to back up a, a season where you beat Wisconsin with another season where you beat who's the best win you can have well, next year aside, Ohio State. From, aside from Ohio State <laughs> I think Iowa, Iowa at home, home. Yeah, they, they have yeah. a lot of they do lose Stanley or Nebraska on the road God, that, that, what, we should win eight games next year yeah. if you're doing this this year can I be on give me seven and five again oh I'd be fine I, because there's going to be disappointments yeah. I, what I want next year to be is the sort of win to lose one Win one, lose one, win two. I want. I want the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want this huge fluctuation. I just want a ho hum seven yeah. to five year. There's this theory that Steve Breitweiser posited on the first episode of the relaunch about Lovey handing the baton off, that he makes two bowl games in a row because finally year four and year five you have the talent to do it. Any favorable schedules? Well, they got it this year. You should get it next year. You should. Yeah. And then you ride off into the sunset with your millions of dollars and a nice coda to your coaching career. And as Lon has often said, you know, the next hire is the big one. Oh, yeah. But I do wonder because I'm enjoying this ride right now. It was a bummer of a loss against Iowa, but you were in it. And Lovey Ball seems like it might 
be able to work, but man, that rug can be pulled right out from under you as well. And I'm thinking, what if he stabilizes it, and then you go get a legit, proven college coaching commodity? Well, yeah, right and, after that. And what I what I was trying, I think I got a little bit off track looking for the best win you could possibly have next year. I was just trying to make the comparison of saying you can become a similar team to Iowa State, and in that situation, agreed, you that totally would, can become. You Iowa could, State. you definitely could. Um, but yeah, if if you were able to do that, that's then a situation because you said if you bring Nate back here, it, you would have to make him an offensive coordinator. And that is because you're not now at the same tier that Iowa State is. If you give him a similar position that he has over there right now, he's not going to accept it because they're a better school over there. But if you get to the point where you are the same kind of team, you would think he would at least think about it. Yeah. You would think maybe you don't have to make him offensive coordinator right away because offense or um you know quarterbacks coach here is the same as quarterbacks coach over in Iowa State that's what you want to get to you want to get to that level and you also don't want to bring him in in a position where he's not going to almost be a guaranteed success you don't want to bring that's in a line eye guy only for him to fail and then say oh sorry line eye guy we got to let you go well yeah and always a tricky thing with bringing in I mean you see Michigan this is a, not apples and oranges I get it but they bring in Jim Harbaugh and well, what do you do? Do you get rid of the Michigan guy? You can't really do that. That's an extreme example of it. But if you brought in Nate and then he struggles, well, good luck firing him. Well, that's why you put him at a position right now, like like we said, like an assistant position, quarterbacks coach, running backs coach, whatever it is, where he can do what he needs to do there. But then also, what's he really doing? He's getting the, the better recruits because he is a guy that can definitely sell Illinois because he loves this school. The recruiting thing is the other component, too, because I mentioned the grad transfers will be a huge plus for Levy. I do wonder if a guy like, what is it, Mookie Cooper? Yeah. It's still Ohio State. So good luck Cooper. with that. Yeah. Cookie, but you, but you did. Mooper, that's right. You at least put yourself back. <laughs> you at least put yourself back in position for him to maybe give it a second thought. Uh-huh. I do wonder ultimately what is this recruiting class going to be ranked when all is said and done? And they can make a late push. I hope they did so in the bye week, and we won't see those results for another month or so. But that—that's another thing that we got to keep an eye on because you know there's still a chance that after the talent leaves after next year, there's going to be a lot of seniors on next year's team. You better have something is in ugly right now. Well, right. I mean, you got to get to the point where this program can make a 2021 season a five and seven season. I yep. think it's essential that you make a bowl game next year because here's what it also buys for you, whether it's Lovey or whether it is like Steve Breitweiser theorized the baton handoff where he knows eh, 2021 is not good, but I did what I had to do. Gonna gonna leave. He'll now. get his statue. He, <laughs> he and, will. <laughs> you know, this is our, I, I think I heard because we put up the Buckus statue. What was it after Michigan or was it right before right Michigan? Before. It was the Michigan weekend. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I was. I, I thought I heard someone say you haven't lost a game since you put up the Buckus statue. But no, I guess but it, you certainly have played better. You've played much better, but not in the first half because you were down twenty-eight nothing yes. right after the Buckus statue went up. <laughs> ah. But I, I do wonder though, with twenty twenty-one looming, and I haven't looked at that schedule. I'm and looking Frank, at it right now. Oh well, let's play. <laughs> <laughs> At Nebraska in Ireland. Ooh, yeah, right. that's right. We're playing in you Ireland. Follow that up with at Virginia. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Then you're home against UTSA, those roadrunners. Okay, so I'm thinking right now meep, like meep. one and two. Uh then you play Maryland at home for an early Big Ten conference game. You see, we don't we have no idea what Loxley is gonna do yeah. there. It could yeah. be a disaster. You go at Purdue for another Big Ten conference game. You've got three Big Ten games in your first four weeks. And none of them are at home. So what's a non-conference game in the middle? I'm interested to see that. You play Charlotte at home. What's the date on that? uh, October October 2nd. Okay. So your three non-conference games are UTSA at home, Charlotte at home, and Virginia on the road. That's on National Cupcake Day. (laughs) Wait, what? I don't know. I'm just... I'm trying to think... My point is, then you (laughs) go at Penn State, at Wisconsin, back-to-back weeks. Oh, my God. Wait, at Penn State, at Wisconsin. Good God. Then you go Rutgers at home, at Minnesota... You still get Rutgers in 2021? Nice. You do. Bye week. 
at Iowa, home against Northwestern. Okay, so here's the thing. You're looking at that season. And let's Four say, wins off the bat, uh, Charlotte, UTSA, Northwestern at home, and... Either Maryland at home or Rutgers. Oh, you get Maryland at home. And you Rutgers. get Rutgers. You get five. But yeah, but That's that, five wins. A, yeah. You look at that if season... If Isaiah Williams is like a super stud and helps you overcome the loss of a If lot, you have a right? lot, of, a very young team that year, and you're saying that it's going to be a step back from what next year is going to be, which let's look at it, and as easy as, or as hard as that schedule sounds... Next year's looks the equal amount easy. Mm-hmm. If that that was terrible grammar, no, but you guys know saying. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, a bit Yoda esque. Yeah, if you make next year like a seven, guy's adorable. He's fifty. He's also yeah. He, he's, <laughs> he's, he's both not Yoda because we don't know what the name of the species we is, don't, yeah, and right. not a baby because he's fifty. So yeah. he's really neither baby nor Yoda, but we'll call he's him baby adorable. Yoda. But yeah, he um, <laughs> he. We're not talking about Yoda. But yeah, but anyways, say, yeah, you make next Yoda. year a seven. We digress. If you make next year a bowl season, let's say I'm going to say seven because I think eight is just that. That makes it an unforgettable season. Uh, seven and five. By is the way, you can A-OK. still win eight games this year. Yeah, you yeah, win out. Game. Yeah, yeah, if you win out, I mean, you if you're eight and five, that's a great. I mean, this year. is why the bowl game. You know. Let's say what pinstripe bowls likely for optics. It does matter, yeah, yeah. And you would be playing the likes of Pitt or UNC. You'd be playing Miami, Damn. UNC, Pitt, Florida State. Oh, if you're pl- if we're picking like brands, I want to play either Miami or FSU. Totally in the cold. I'd, I'd rather beat. Oh, bring him up in the cold and beat him in. I'd rather stadium. B- tell me. I mean, obviously, this is you know looking way ahead. Would you rather have a win over Pitt or like a close loss against FSU or Miami? I'd rather have a win. I'd, yeah. rather, I'd rather win. Okay. Yep, because I, I remember at a young age looking back through media guides and saying, well, Mike White won 10 games that year. Yeah. And, and always thinking, for me, the line of demarcation was seven and above meant good. And for Illinois football history, that. that's true. Yeah. So if if you were to tell me seven, the way that this path has gone, I'm going to be happy even with a close loss against Miami or something. But well, I mean, really, if you even think about five. it, seven and five should be like the line of demarcation for bowl eligibility, right? Because six and six means you were just right at uh, neutral, but I'll yeah. take the you six know. and six. You oh, know. I, I know, but I just mean seven and five is actually the definition of a season where you were better more times than you were bad. Yeah, right? because regardless, six of, and six is like yeah, even, right? Because regardless of what happens going into that bowl game, you are going to finish the year above mm-hmm. five hundred. And it's amazing how different a six and six can feel coming off of some struggles. It feels great, but if you go back to two thousand ten, even though that was following up a three win team, you knew they should have been better. Two thousand eleven, you got all six right away. You lost the rest of them until the Crap Fight Hunger Bowl. So I I do think that when it comes to how you look back on the season, if you tell me right now they beat Northwestern by any means necessary, doesn't need to be pretty, and they get that seventh win, and then they get a win against a Pitt or a UNC, ho-hum, whatever, but it's a win. And if you would have told me back, screw the whole, like, you know, before the Michigan game, hey, you're going to still win eight games this year. If you would have told me, most importantly, back in August, when we're making our prognostications and we're likely saying five and seven, it's going to be tough. Five and seven. And they went eight and five. Unbelievable. I mean, that is something where you would call this a resounding success. Yeah, Whereas seven which, it, and s- which it is. I still think you would say that. I, I think you would, too, as long as you get the Northwestern win. And that really is it. If you beat Northwestern, as long as you don't crap the bed in the bowl game, well, yeah, you're going to be fine. I, well, yeah. What I'm saying is if you get the two more wins, which you know, it's the only way you can get to eight wins now, that would make this season a resounding success. And that's the summary for me is today was a close enough game that no matter what happens, as long as you get the win, like you said, and maybe get another, I'm feeling fine. Yeah. Because today was close enough that it didn't dissuade me from thinking, okay, well, where it are almost, we going here? It encouraged me as much as a loss could. Mm-hmm. Because I remember I was getting... I was encouraged just feeling a close loss. Yeah. I was encouraged. When you go in the fourth quarter, even though Iowa was knocking on the door of scoring again, I just thought, well, it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter, and at the end of the day, against a top-20 team, 
Yep. You take it. Yep. Well, you're, even if you were, even if Illinois was top twenty-five, let's say Illinois was a top twenty-five team, they go and rank twenty-third, and Iowa seventeen. We aren't. We still aren't leaving today's right. game no, right. feeling yeah. all that angry, disappointed yeah. as the, we should be, but not angry. By the way, you're pro- if you had won this game, you probably would have been ranked. Yeah, you're still seven getting that one four. vote. Seven of, you and know, what's you, funny is you didn't do anything to necessarily lose that one vote. I don't think you're. I don't think you're RV anymore. Oh man! Uh, but, 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 but you're but, right though <laughs> that they didn't necessarily do anything to lose them other than losing the game. They yeah. Didn't, they didn't. Uh, were, they weren't bad in a convincing way to not receive votes. But but here's but the, the here's the other thing. One. Yeah. We talk about optics and end of season optics. How everyone's feeling about it. If you go eight and five, you're probably ranked. You probably are in the final top wow. twenty five. Oh. <laughs> I mean, right under SMU. And if that, I mean, my God, a sales point. You're right. This is something where it will really come down to. Okay, this is the first time Lovey gets to go out and recruit with success. It was all about building it, and not everyone wants to come in and have to build something. You get four years in college. Why should I have to be responsible for helping you build a crap program up to decency? Uh, The other thing, too, on this week of Thanksgiving is uh, I'm trying to do this in a non-lame way, but for the players, and Harry, you, you know the experience of being a student athlete. But and I was just the laziest college student ever. My grades weren't that great. I watched way too much Maury Povich and Jerry Springer for my own good. Awesome and shows, great shows. You are not the father. <laughs> Jerry's moral at the end of an episode that made no sense. Who? We've seen a lot here today. <laughs> Fine. And if anything has taught me how to learn to love a child, and, I, and you're like, what is he talking about? So the point being that these guys work their ass off. But here's the thing: their success has this carryover effect into hundreds of thousands, if not maybe even a couple million Illini fans that have been starved for any sort of success. And for the first time in, I'm going to say essentially a decade, because no offense, the 2014 team was not, hey, wasn't hey, all that much hey, fun. Hey. That was very much a no time to explain, get on the horse and ride that thing was where it's like, awesome. yeah, that oh, was we're going to a bowl game. Interesting. Like a a three-week burst. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, But that we get to enjoy this way for the first time in essentially a decade, if not a little bit longer, Thank you, players. I mean, well, you look you at get all that these next weekend with a home game too. Right? You do, and I'll be interested to see. I feel bad that I mean we're going to be in Michigan for the long weekend, and I I'm hope that there's the as well. Yeah, thirty five thousand there. It's tough know. on Thanksgiving they, um, week. It's so tough. They did send out an email to all students that parents and friends of students are allowed to purchase a student priced ticket and sit in the student section, which is something they don't normally do. I mean, here's the thing: so though. I can get like. My entire family in for fifty bucks, and they're in. They're coming in for yeah. the holiday, yeah. right? Yeah. But here's so the thing: is this game ever going? I mean, both teams could be going for a Big Ten uh, West title. Would they did game- in two thousand one. It was for yeah. a Big Ten title. There were thirty five thousand. Yeah, well, that's there. the thing. Is for this Kurt other, Kittner, other than like Iowa Nebraska on the Friday on Black Friday, I can't think of like a Thanksgiving week game that's going to get you a sellout no matter. Other what than Michigan, Ohio, Michigan, Ohio State, well, that, yeah, the Iron Bowl, yeah, yeah, those yeah. those big ones. But this. And I know last week of the season is rivalry week, mm-hmm. but wouldn't you kind of just want to make it a little earlier? I, liked I when loved Northwestern it. was the first game. It was amazing, and that Homecoming. was a pretty much packed house. Yeah. If not a it sellout, was, uh, it was yeah, close, it was, yeah. and a, a great comeback too. Several comebacks because you score, and then Northwestern goes back down and scores. Was that Dan Persa? Uh huh. Was a quarterback. Yep. Yeah. So you score with like I I want to say three or four minutes left, maybe five minutes, and then they go down and score, and there's a minute left, and you're like, ah. Oh. We're Illinois with a troll job of Sweet Home Chicago at That's the end right. as we were walking down the stadium. And I, that was homecoming, too. It was a really early homecoming. Well, that was the Illinois. year that they started the um, our state, our team versus Chicago's Big Ten team yeah. slogans. Yeah. 
That's pretty cool. That's Which, pretty, by the way, cool. if you look cool. at where Northwestern's at right now, and I kept waiting for this, and maybe this year's the aberration. I don't think it is for Chris Collins. I mean, he's, no, they're this bad. Is, they're, it's terrible. They've lost to Merrimack and Radford. Radford, of course. Which, by the way, if you notice on Twitter, as, yeah, they con- point this out, yeah. <laughs> as they continued to post the updates, when Northwestern fell behind Radford, by like eight points, then 12 <laughs> points. They stopped calling them Radford and they started saying, are you? They got less descriptive <laughs> yeah. with their updates. They, didn't, they, they, they would have preferred people think it was Rutgers that they were losing to than Radford. Yeah. I think even the final tweet said Northwestern 60, are you 72. And then, and then, like, then it says, you? pound the rock that's, right underneath. That's not right. They're terrible. And it was just two years ago that they were in the yes. tournament, right? Yeah, and they yeah. won a game. They beat. They um, almost beat Gonzaga. And they shouldn't in the have won that stupid game, game against what Va- yeah, Valpo was, it, or Vanderbilt. Uh, it was Vanderbilt, Vandy. and it was a terrible call. They they played Gonzaga close though. Didn't they, they hung around? And there the, wasn't a terrible call. I think the Vandy guy never fouled him or something. I, I missed that game, but I remember getting on Twitter right after all the Illini fans were pissed, thinking that they, they were, got lucky. They were up by one with like thirty seconds left, and Vandy let them run the clock out. I think, and you're going foul. I kind of remember foul that. Him. Well, that might be why Bryce Drew is calling Illini games and not ever playing. Them. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> which that would have been a hire that I remember. That's one of those moments where it's like in a moment you're rooting for Bryce Drew to become your coach yeah. and to sway Tim Finke away from Vanderbilt to. Illinois, and then you look back at that now, and you're like, "Oh my!" God. Now you know, Tim Finke's at Wright State, yeah. and, and Bryce, Bryce Drew's, Drew's calling, calling games. Wright State, wrong school. <laughs> oh, you know what I remember about hey, speaking that? of Wright State? That was also Mark Allstork yes. came from Allst- Wright State. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. You know what I remember? My God, that's a name. I know. That's <laughs> Mod Starks. Mark Allstork wasn't bad. Him, who do you look back on more fondly, Mod Starks or Mark Allstork? Um, Probably Starks. And I, I rem- guess Starks. He was a pretty good three-point shooter. I remember because Mark Allstork came here back when it was still Tay and Jay, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think it was really? because I this think is John was, Gross's last year. It was okay, around right. that time. It wasn't Underwood wasn't the coach yet, right? Or was he? I thought I he was. He, it he was Underwood's Smith first year because it was after. Oh, well, okay, so yeah. that was the first year of Tay and Carp. Okay, so here's what it was. I think it was. It was um, well. We got Mark Smith when it was still Tay and Jay, though. Because okay, I remember so you were Tay on Jay's, that. Tay and Jay ended August 2017. Yes. Brad Underwood would have his first year would have been 16-17, right? No, no 17, it was 17-18. So Mark Smith last year. So it would have been Mark Smith committed in that like July, the last month of Tay and Jay. Yeah, and it would have been the 200 level. And t- me and Steve did that for the first yep, half yep, of yep. Underwood's first year. Yeah, and and I think what happened was because I remember. When uh, Mark Smith committed, we did an extended show where it was you and uh, and the next Lon. D Brown. Yeah, you called him the next yeah the next the program Brown. changer. But you called him. Uh, no, you you were doing the show because Jeremy was down there. I remember. I remember that because it was still Tay and Jay. I guess it changed over to Tay and Carp when All Star came. But what I remember is uh, is Austin made the itinerary. And it was Mark. It was Mark Smith Day mm-hmm. when we got Mark Smith, and You're I ecstatic. and I get it. You hated. That. I hated all the Mark Smith talk, but I remember all You'd that. Say like, oh, what are we going to talk about today? I wonder. I wonder. But <laughs> then I remember when we had gotten Mark Allstork. Austin put on the itinerary Mark Allstork Day. I was like, no, no, I get Mark Smith, but, but no. I, I remember thinking it was a big transfer at the time because I'm like, all right, even though he's probably not going to average 24 points for us, the guy's a proven well, scorer. And he had that fiery and, thing. Remember, you and Jeremy were interviewing some guy from Wright State, and mm-hmm. he said he's gotten technicals. Um, and I'm he, trying to spin that like, yeah, I want some heads. Yeah, no, right. He, he, his his, his uh, I don't know what you want to call it. It's not a stigma necessarily coming in was that he was his like crooning. This, this fire. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, we can't we just were all plug crooning. it in whenever we want. Uh, was that he crooner. was like this fiery, uh, I don't know, angry that guy. guy. The best of them. They said he had like a temper issue. And we're like, what? 
Yeah, anyways, he was, that's Mark Allstar. <laughs> probably the only time we'll ever mention him on the Tuner level. Oh, goodness. Yeah, him and Mod Starks. There was the Aaron, Aaron Cosby, Cosby situation. Darius was, Paul. Oh, man. Mr. Break a Car Window in France on a trip. <laughs> and then he was arrested How? again because he wandered on the train tracks. Yeah. What I rem- well, I mean, we've all wandered and on Everyone train tracks. has. <laughs> if you haven't, you're lame. But what I remember about the year that, <laughs> that Northwestern went to the train I was in a gang back in high school me. called the Train Track Kids. Really? We just sort of walk the train. Tracks. I thought you were going to say you're only for rule shenanigans is, to get into. I thought you were going to say your only rule is you can't walk on train tracks. <laughs> First rule of train track club is don't, don't walk, walk on, on train tracks. But in, the thing I remember about that year against Northwestern is you swept them. I remember that. I went to the second time they came here, or in the second Which game you played. Is this? Under which first year? No, it was Gross's last year. That's right. They they won at Northwestern, and then they then smoked we, him at home. I, I was yeah, at that the, game uh, in the gray jerseys, those ugly, ugly yeah, gray and, you, and orange you jerseys. Beat them bad mm-hmm. there I was remember, a fight in that game yeah i think i remember one of the who was the really good player on northwestern that year i think he was like john had, sherna no, no it so was Sharky thompson oh man kelp the really good player i, I they had a really good a, player who was like sick or something and he just kelp playing it just, i don't know <laughs> he's the back of his jersey is blank because he has no last name <laughs> kelp Bono, Cher, Kelp. You know, I'm going to pull up their... their uh, yeah, 2017. I, I, I don't think Northwestern had a really good player in 2017. but Yeah, well, that was the year they made the tournament. I know, though, right? but it was kind of a group of guys. Yeah, it was a ragtag bunch of hard workers. Toys. I'm so happy they suck. Yeah. And you know what? I, I do sports. wonder. I do wonder with football. <clears throat> frog in my throat. That Pat Fitzgerald... <clears throat> Jesus. More Come on, you guys talk oh, for a oh, second. Yeah, was yeah, it yeah, Vic yeah. Law? Vic Law. He was good. Yep. I yep. Think okay. That's yep. the guy I was thinking so of. So in that game, Northwestern was lawless. <laughs> oh, he, he did it. Uh, uh, I was too busy okay. looking at my roster, and Carp was gargling water. And Say the hit. joke again. Yeah. I just said in that game, because you said Vic Law was sick, they were lawless. Hmm. I, it's cute. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. No, but I, I do think that with Breaking Pat Fitzgerald, that will be something. Judas Priest... Yeah, good man. Crooners, those guys. <laughs> they could really croon. Rob Halford is the best crooner in all of metal. <laughs> crooner draft, go. Well, Frank Sinatra, Rob yeah. Halford, <laughs> Dean Martin, uh, Eddie Vedder, His York, name is Matt Sinatra. <laughs> Matt, Matt Sinatra. Do you How know many the, times have we said croon in this episode? Far too I, many. I'm not sorry. enough, maybe. No. <laughs> Depends on your perspective. Ranging anywhere from quota. far too many to not enough. But Pat Fitzgerald, I think, man, at this point doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> I don't I, even know what I, we I were talking direction. about. I think but the direction I was both, going go ahead. is that he is someone, it's remarkable what he's done. I get it. But is there the slimmest of possibilities that there was a huge amount of luck and he was the guy that took advantage and kudos to him. He was the one that took advantage of a weak Big Ten West. He did last year. I think he absolutely but did But I just mean even, even before that when in he was general. winning seven, seven, eight games a yeah, year. Yeah, but you got to look at it as every team has to play the same Big Ten West schedule every year. And you're going to get some breaks with who you play outside in your crossover games. But it, when you do it as consistently as he has done it now, I know consistently he goes from three and nine. He's consistently inconsistent. Yeah, but that's the thing. At Northwestern, they will 100% take that. Well, that's the other part is both Chris Collins and Pat Fitzgerald, I feel like they could have jobs there for the rest of their lives if they wanted. Right? Well, I mean, for I mean, Chris Collins, I'm not so sure. For, I, I, that's for, so bad. I mean, I, he's I, worse than I know, but he's just got that built-in insurance. For, he took him to the for the Carmody. the only time they ever did. But the thing is, Northwestern basketball is just so historically bad. The bar is low, and I know already, that Northwestern yeah. football isn't good, but they've had 
instances. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald was their guy when they got to the Rose Bowl back in the 90s, and he got them to two straight Big Ten championships back then. They've had little flashes in their history. So in that re- regard, it's it's kind of different. But I think he has had enough success there because he's had multiple years where he finished ranked there. He's Here's probably the-, the best coach they've ever had. Oh, for sure. He- here's the theory. Pat Fitzgerald is Gwen Mason. Uh-huh. Here's his record. 98 and 79. At Northwestern, amazing. That, yeah. I, I mean, we take it here. We take it any- anywhere. Big Ten record is 56 and 59. I you're still taking that if you're if you're Northwestern. The thing about sure. Glenn Mason is he always took advantage of the three or four automatic wins, right? But Northwestern's thing is that they lose to Illinois State and they still yeah, have a good year it because makes they beat no Wisconsin. Sense. They make no so sense. So it's not just like they're puffing themselves up with four guaranteed wins and then getting Purdue and Rutgers. Like they start out one and three and win the big And then 10. beat Wisconsin. <laughs> like, There's been multiple times in the last and, couple and, of years. And, uh, Nebraska. Yeah. They have a winning record against Nebraska in the last like ten years. That's crazy. It, well, and one of those, they should have one more because of that Hail, Hail Mary, Mary one. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely insane. Well, as we wrap up. Are we talking Adam Miller? Uh, know, I think we I, probably should. We can talk that because we can't really talk about Illinois Hampton. Not yeah, that we need I mean, to. It'll be outdated. Right. I want to say something really quick, yeah. though. We talk about the, the good coaches in the Big Ten, specifically the Big Ten West. Um, oh, I guess just any coaches in the Big Ten that don't coach at Ohio State or Michigan. And I feel like kind of the name that's always thrown up there at the top is D'Antonio. But, I mean, is it even close that it's Kirk Ferentz's number one outside of Ohio State I, and I, Michigan? I do feel like he does get underappreciated because he is the consistent 7-8 game winner. But it's so often and he, he is one, yeah. You're right. You're and, right. And it's uber consistent. They've had yes. a one losing season in his 19 years. 18 is, out yeah. of 19. And Iowa, keep in mind what he inherited. By the time he inherited it, that program sucked. Yep. It took him two years, three to he get it back three on and solid nine, uh, He had one and ten, three and nine, and, and then, then I think seven, from there they and, won and eight. They've been to eighteen out of yeah, nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Two Big Ten championships and a Big Ten West. Two title. or three, well, at least two for sure. Yeah, but you know what? That, that's the thing is, I if I ever sit on the east side of the stadium, and I look up and I see the Big Ten titles and oh eighty three two thousand one, and then it's that's it, right? And that can be a little bit disheartening. But then you even look at in Iowa, and in a twenty year stretch, he's won two. And again, I can look that up, two or three. It's not easy to do. No. I do feel like, and I felt this for a long time, and maybe I'm really selling the likes of Wisconsin short or Iowa, thinking that this can't last forever with Kirk Ferentz. But we're still in the right division. Okay, we don't I have to deal with, with Michigan and Ohio State consistently. Yeah, like that's, poor that's, Indiana. That's like Evergreen, right? Like, yeah. they're always going to be good. Mm-hmm. At and, least, okay. But the good thing is that Wisconsin at their best very rarely is as good as Ohio State at their yep. best. Iowa at their best is very rarely as good as Although, Michigan at their best. I will say the one team you're waiting on, and we might be taking it for granted that they haven't woken up yet, is Nebraska. Because if Nebraska gets to what Nebraska's been... What if they never do? But It's been that, 20 well, years. 20, 20 years since they That's like Florida State. Now, I know it's been shorter for them because they had Jameis, but... That's a similar type of heck. Even Michigan. I mean, we're talking about how what do they do with Harbaugh because he's only winning nine or ten. Honestly, they need to readjust because at no point other than a few years we've been through it have they been better than that. Jim Harbaugh yeah. is Lloyd Carr, right? And he, he might Lloyd find Carr his... won a national championship, uh, yeah, right? And Bo Schembechler won none. Yeah, which so is you're, crazy. You're looking at a program that, for me, growing up, Michigan, Michigan always had the air of invincibility more so than Ohio State. Yep. Because growing up, Illinois in the 90s tended to compete with Ohio State, never really competed with Michigan. And then you look at their histories, and it's just night and day. Oh, that, he did day. it. He did it. 
I have a Kirk Ferentz's like record Steve here. Kerr, give me a break. It doesn't matter who's coaching that team. Yeah, Go but ahead, you know bro. what? I, he's not Thank nearly. You. Thank you, by the way. He's not, and we'll see how long that continues in terms of he. He's playing with Urban's house money. You're but right. He's a lot more likable. That's true. He's That's true. I mean, he's, he's kind he, of a likable he's, guy. He's forgettably likable because I don't. I've never heard him talk. That's uh, true. If we if we played that game like we did back in the day of all the audio bites, audio bites from Big Ten Media Days, I don't know what he sounds like. I, I don't no know idea. what any of them sound like. I guess I could maybe be able to get PJ uh, Fleck, PJ Fleck, Lovey, James Franklin. Lovey, I feel obviously, like I could understand James Franklin. Mark D'Antonio has a very. I think I'd be able to get um, Fitzgerald. But I was Maybe. oh you totally could. But I never got Ferentz and I never got D'Antonio. During the game today, they had a preview for Big Ten Network or BTN.com where they said you can get all the press conferences here. And it ends, of course, with Pat Fitzgerald like, "Hey man, I thought we're having fun, guys." At one of his press conferences, <laughs> and you know that some dopey college sports journalist <laughs> is. <laughs> That's so funny. God, I hate all right, those but, kids. okay. Now Ferentz's records here. Okay. So after one and ten and three and nine, after that he goes. Seven and five, eleven and two, winning the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Ten and three, ten and two, winning the Big Ten. Seven and five, six and seven, six and six, nine and four, eleven and two, eight and five, seven and six, four and eight. What year was that again? Two thousand twelve. Yeah, four and eight, uh, eight and five, seven and six, twelve and two, Rose Bowl year. Eight and five, eight and five, nine and four, eight and three. So Jeez. we're saying he's a, a seven win guy. That's he's crazy. won eight games. I think more times than, or eight, at least eight games more times than not. Now, it, the only thing is you said 10, 11, 10, and then you went 6, 6, 6, 7. So if I were an Iowa fan, I guess I'd say, well, wait a minute. We got to those Big Ten titles, now we're back to 6 and 7. But, but even still, so, that, that's man. a floor for him. Yeah, now, that, that is the epitome of you can do that at Illinois if you get the right guy. You can yeah. totally do that because it's not un- unattainable for one. And for another, what's really crazy about Kirk Ferentz is if you look at their record at home, Oh, against so top good. 10 teams, yeah. it's ridiculous. And just in general, it's good. They've won, so, I, I wonder for Iowa fans if there's this sense of, God, if only you guys didn't lose those stupid games at Purdue. or you know, I mean, you know oh, that it's for sure, yeah. every year they have three games. Not that they're ever like 12-0 quality. But it seems like the losses, for the most part, they're always in it. And I wonder if that sort of kind of chips away at a fan's enjoyment where it's like, oh, I know we're going to lose three this year that we might maybe maybe shouldn't have or something. It's kind of similar to like being a fan of a of a decent team like the always the bridesmaid never the bride kind the of feeling the feeling we had today times three three four or five times every year yeah, yeah. right yeah. now i want to get back to this being the regular feeling after a loss instead of just uh, who cares or apathy no i get it i definitely get it i think we're a long ways from apathy i agree i think it would take a really bad start sounds next like year a for 90s band and oh, long wow. way from apathy no That's no no true. that sounds like the sophomore album of a 90s band like gin blossoms a long way from apathy <laughs> and the thing is you're talking about next year what spin if, doctors what if you're ranked going into this offseason and then you start Not four and oh <laughs> just a band just a four crooners they crooned, yeah. they crooned with the best but what if you're ranked 25th in this offseason you go four and oh I know the competition isn't good, but you'd be ranked, right? Well, Minnesota. Well, you Minnesota wasn't ranked early, though. It took them a while. Well, right, yeah, but they yeah. were. They didn't go into last offseason being ranked. But. There's some teams that you look at the AP poll, like if you look at the Kansas team in 07, it took until they were, I think, seven or eight and zero to be in the top 25. And what will happen next year during the Athlon Preview Magazine and all that? You'll still be probably six out of seven in the Big Ten West. Purdue I, might yeah. be below you. Yeah, I could uh, see or Northwestern. Sorry, fifth. Yeah, yeah I'd say yeah, fifth. Okay, Purdue okay, and Northwestern right, be under you. Right. But you know what? 
that's improvement because you really want to just get into the next tier. I remember get I s- out of the bottom tier, get in the middle tier, and then just compete for six or seven every year. I saw a um, uh, article at the beginning of the year that said why. Uh, how many teams are there? There's seven in the Big Ten West. Mm-hmm. It said why six of the seven teams can win the Big Ten West. Uh, parentheses, sorry, Illinois. Was that for this? That was this. That year, was for right? this year, right. and we were one of the last teams in contention for the Big Ten West title. Now you need everything to go right, but the fact that you're there, the last the week, second uh, to last, second week, to last of season, week of the season, yeah. that is marketable improvement. Improvement, yep. boys. It's name of the game. Solving things. Solving things. And one, one last thing we'll end on because we can't really talk about Illinois Hampton is. Adam Miller commits, does not sign, but it. let's just make it as simple as it is. If Io is gone, Adam Miller is here. Which so I don't mind at all. To like that, I-, I say, Io, come on, be better and, and leave. Because <laughs> I it's like It's a win-win, Io. right? Because you either get Io for a third year. Yeah, but I want Adam Miller. I get that. For th- I mean, I don't know if Adam Miller is going to be a two-and-done guy like Io. Probably two. I'd but say I, I, I do think, though, that even though we look at Io right now and he's struggling by his standards, and certainly he's great in transition, but other than that, he looks a little bit shaky. He'll figure it out. Just If you remember last year, November and December were not good months, and yep. then come Big Ten and play. two years ago, Trent Frazier was horrible his freshman year in the first two months. I am worried about Trent. You I are. Think, I think he is what he is. Let me rephrase. He's not a star. I agree, but that's okay because you're getting stars. Uh, yep, there I you go. He's, I think you, he's you a, negate that. I think he's a microwave. Right? I, like, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, well, you finish your statement. No, I, Mine's I, kinda I, unrelated. I, just, I think Trent is the role player who can become the player of the game because he's a microwave. He can hit seven threes in a game, or he could go 0 for 9 from 3, but still be solid defensively. First half of Arizona, you're in that game because Trent yep. could not miss. Yep. I saw a game, because, I, I mean, you guys know me. I'm not huge on basketball, especially when it's this early in the season and you're playing teams that really you should beat and it shouldn't be that close. I saw a game, it was the Citadel one the other day. I had no idea Kofi was that big. He looks, oh my God, I I get it now. I get it now. He's like 10 feet tall. It's like you have, it's like you have a man amongst boys out there. And the good news is. Welcome to the party. (laughs) Yeah, it is fun because you you can count on him. Even in the Big Ten, there's not many guys that will match his size. So He's a double-double machine, and I didn't know that we'd expected that right away. No, I I didn't expect it right away. He is more polished than I ever would have thought a guy who's only played it for five years would look. Other than running onto the court as the sixth man, not knowing when to buzz in. That's pretty cool. That's good. He'll figure it out. (laughs) He'll figure it out. But I do think, though, that. The good thing with Kofi and people far smarter than me about basketball, but you can look at the NBA and the way that that's trending. You don't get these sort of seven-foot beasts down low. You need a guy that can run the court and actually has a perimeter game. Kofi does not have that, so I don't know if he's going to be a one-and-done player. Not likely. Maybe not even a two-and-done. But I also don't want to sell short his prospects of being in the NBA because he's really good around the rim. Well, there's still players. I mean, it's obviously not as important now as it was back 10, 15 years ago when you would need a guy like uh, Dwight Howard or Shaq down low to be that big presence. But there's still a place for those guys in the NBA. I mean, Dwight Howard still plays. He's obviously not what he was 10 years ago. Uh, The guy in Denver, was it um, Jokic? He doesn't have an outside shot, I don't think so, but he's a big guy. Did Jokic? Yeah, I don't... There's a D in the front of it, there's right? There's a guy... No. There's, there's oh, a... you're thinking... Oh, why am I That's thinking... That's Jokovic. Jo- Jokic, Jokic is J-O-K-I-C. He's the tennis player. Yeah. But then also in um in in Orlando, it was a Nikol, Nikolai Vuvikic. <laughs> Vucevic. Vucevic. He doesn't have a shot either. So these are guys that you yeah, still no, see... Yeah. Can you... Th- there's still, there's like still a demand the for... Big men. Yeah. yeah, there's still a demand yeah, for big career. guys down yeah. low. And yeah. the acquisition of Kofi was so oddly easy... That it's going to go down if he becomes this double-double machine is mm-hmm. one of the better just ads. Because you think about 
you know, now you've got this thing with Adam Miller. I don't think anything's going to happen, but it's a high-maintenance recruitment. Uh, I don't think Iowa's high-maintenance because it was Wake Forest that you were competing against. But you're used to these high-maintenance guys. Kofi was a four- or five-star everywhere. He came from a really, really, really good academy. Like, uh, Kevin Durant went to the academy. Like, this wasn't like a gem that you just found, like Georgie. He just commits one day, and you're like, oh. That's pretty nice. But that's not going to stick, and he just never wavers. I do. And now he's really good. It's like it's been oddly easy. I do have a feeling that I have not had for a long time with Illinois basketball where, okay, the results on the court need to come. They need to make the tournament this year. But really, the, the funny thing is that they could still miss the tournament. Io goes pro. Adam Miller comes it's in, and they're really good next year. Right? right. And they're set up for long-term stability in a way that they haven't been for a long time. And there's this feeling I have not had since the early 2000s where a season would end, and you knew the three guys were leaving, and you're like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. We got these other three guys coming in. And the bit, best example of that, and not to compare the two situations, but after Bill Self, uh, his second year, that team loses to Kansas in the Sweet 16. Frank Williams, Robert Archibald, uh, let's see, who else? Corey Bradford. Oh, my God, who else was on that? Uh, Lucas Johnson and one other guy left. Okay, they're gone. Oh, no big deal. D. Darren and James Augustine are coming in. They're going to start from day one. And we knew that as fans. We knew they were coming in and figured they'd be fine. They finished second in the Big Ten. Brian Cook was a monster as a senior. But you're starting to build class after class. And what's really interesting to me is next year when you get some of these transfers eligible to play, you have so many tools to play with at the three and four positions. Which is what's needed. And one of them's got to work out. Yeah, one of them's got to stick. Yeah, but Andres Felice has been so good. He's so solid. I would be very concerned about losing him, except Andre Curbelo is maybe him, but better. I feel like the team right? next year will be better because I you will be bringing in true freshman Andre Curbelo and presumably Adam Miller and losing Iowa and Andre's Feliz. And I don't want to discount that, especially Feliz, who's but just... But that's one, okay. It is okay. Point, and it's a weird place to be at. Because now you bring in guards and everyone else around them is going to be so experienced at what they need to do in the offense. And Curbelo is the big one. I mean, Corbello with Iowa would be fantastic. Corbello with Adam Miller would be fantastic. He's the guy that is so good, but not so, so good that he doesn't stay for four years. Yes, too short. Which is like the perfect mid-range. Mm-hmm. Don't you agree, Harry? Corbello kind of sounds like a name for a caramel candy that you it keep does. in your car. Do you remember Carmelo? It's hard to find those at grocery stores sometimes. Caramellos? Is it Caramellos or Carmelo? Yeah, Caramello. That's Caramello. It. Yeah, and those used to be my favorite, but they're really, really messy, and there's only yeah. four caramel squares. I just keep a thing. Caramel of, or caramel? I what say caramel, but... Uh, it depends. I, I, I switch back and forth. Hmm. I What was I? I was thinking... Nougat or Nougat? No one calls it Nougat. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. I, what I was thinking of were the... I say uh, Nugget. Werther's. Those little caramel Fruit Werther's. or Crun. <laughs> uh, hmm. With a umlaut over the U. <laughs> <laughs> two U's instead of two O's. Okay, so Illinois football, we're feeling okay. Yep. Uh, yeah. beat, they will beat Northwestern? Yeah. yeah I, I think, I mean, I'm not 100%, but I'm like a 9 out of 10. Okay. I'm saying, because things happen. Football's uh, weird. No, that just freaks me out. I don't want things to happen. Yeah. I want it to be a very, you know what? I'll take a sleepy 21 to 10. You know what's weird? I don't care. After talking about it for however long we've been talking about it right now, doesn't it kind of, and I was thinking about this about 10 minutes ago, the Iowa game seems like it wasn't today. Does that make sense? In a weird way, you're right. Those early kickoffs tend to do that. Yeah. What's By the way, really? do we know what's going on with Wisconsin or any of I was of those just going to check that. I just had a weird feeling, Harry, as we're doing this. It felt like Monday night. I think it's the setting that we do this in, and it, we never do it on a Saturday afternoon it's after true. game. That's true. And I, I do um, feel like see. the game happened. So Michigan's up twenty-one fourteen on Indiana, one-score game. Of course, uh, for all you who care on Monday. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. This uh, is a time capsule. Wow, though, so Purdue I'm gonna... scored 14 straight. What's the score? It's 21-17 Wisconsin. But okay. Purdue scored 14 straight. I swear if they win. Well, if they win, Minnesota clinches. Then we and... have the Big Ten title game. That's right. We have and set. if Purdue wins, then they're still in line for a bowl game, and that'd be actually a pretty fun game with them in Indiana. Indiana. That's, that's always a really good game. It though. is. They yeah. have one of the coolest trophies in all of college football. What is it? It's the old oaken yeah. bucket. That's right. And every time you win, you put your chain on there. So if hmm. if Purdue wins, they put a little P chain on there. Hmm. That sounds disgusting. But if you're Indiana, you put a little I chain. That sounds even worse. I chain. But what would the I stand for? Indiana. No, no, I. But you said it sounds disgusting. So I, I knew P chain. Oh, an eyeball chain. Okay. Chain of eyeballs. Wow. Oh, that's. We have some cool. We have some not Illinois, but we have some cool trophies in the Big Ten. Oh, sweet Sue Tomahawk. That well, is a really cool one. Now it's Atlanta Lincoln. It's not yeah. that cool. And then you have well the yellow buck. The yellow buck is yeah. really cool. Um, let's Bring see. back the live turtle. The Purdue one is the what again? The the us against them. It's the Purdue cannon. Purdue cannon. You have There's the Paul oh, Bunyan. The axe. Yep. There's a Paul Bunyan trophy and Paul Bunyan's axe. Two different Don't games. Did the you... land of Lincoln hat. That's right. That's Did you get to touch the land of Lincoln hat? After of course. I have a picture with it. You do? Okay. Yeah. The I, LOL hat. There was, <laughs> I mean, these these trophies sit in the middle of the locker room. Do they so... mean something to the players? Oh, yeah. It's it's it, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, they mean something. But at the same time, I remember, I'm not going to name drop anyone, but the cannon's sitting right there. And with what the cannon is kind of shaped like mm-hmm. and a bunch of guys walking around oh, totally. naked they're yeah. just kind of holding it at angles so <laughs> pew 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 it's kind, it's, kind, it's kind of fun nice but yeah um what else there's the old the brass the old brass platoon between indiana and michigan yeah, that's pretty michigan cool. state there's a pig right the floyd, floyd of rosedale, rosedale is the coolest that's one that's minnesota michigan that's minnesota that's the little brown jug minnesota iowa that's minnesota iowa my dad always says He said after the uh, Illinois-Minnesota game in 2014, because my dad had Tim Beckman's number, and I don't know why he would text these things, but he said something to, he texted Tim Beckman saying like, Your dad did? Yeah. Great win, coach. They should just, they should give you the little brown jug. I'm like, dad, that's not, it's not even between (laughs) us. That's between them and Michigan. Well, next week, here's the thing too. We got to figure this out because I'm getting back from Michigan that Sunday. I'm, and I won't have time that Sunday. And then Monday, there's a basketball game. I think the Miami is there, game is December yeah, that's 2nd. Right, yeah. So maybe we do like a Tuesday the 3rd or something. I'll be back because I am going back home. I think I'm going to be back here on Saturday. So if we do the 3rd, then we'll have a Big Ten ACC Challenge. We'll have Illinois Northwestern. And I presume the bowl figured yep, out. Yep, we will by then. So that, maybe that's we, announced that Sunday. So what are we thinking right now? We're thinking if we win, it's probably pinstripe. I'm and thinking if you either lose red lane, box or pinstripe. Okay, you're you probably played yourself out of the uh, holiday or anything like that. I know, too yeah. bad. Which would have been cool because I think holiday and they I had just, representatives there today. I think Michigan State is going quick lane because they just beat Rutgers bad today, and they'll beat Maryland, and they'll presumably. beat Maryland next week. Yeah, or Nebraska, who's playing Maryland right now and could win out. Well, they need to beat Iowa. Iowa next week. But well, where is that game? Do we know Nebraska? It is in Nebraska. That's well, that gets interesting, build, yeah. and that would actually salvage their season because after all the crap that they went through to finish six and six and frost second year that could be a very similar situation to what you had with um what would it be with minnesota and wisconsin last year i thought you were about to say 2014 with tim beckman and i was like yes and that led to so many great things the following year for timmy b really could have no frost is locked in for years now seven or eight more years i think they're they're bought in and yeah they did that well when i saw that extension i didn't really read into it is there any chance it's maybe similar to what they had done with lovey to change the buyout i don't know i i think think it was longer longer though i think they're buying low and they're they're assuming he will work out i mean it's a good assumption 
I mean, it looks like he did it well over at UCF, and he is a Nebraska guy, and Nebraska is a school that wins. And after his whole hoodie thing, though, it's just I hate when coaches get all meatball And I got to give Lovey credit for this. He rarely does the meatball no, thing. No, I agree. That's true. But this whole, well, my guys are wearing hoodies out there on the field, and they're tough enough for some he ridiculous thing like that. Yeah, exactly. So he says in a hoodie in the press conference yeah, in a heated just, room. I, none of that. It's, it's all very um, set up. Can I be me. honest? I think the, the more time goes on, I want Nebraska to just continue sucking. Because this idea of a birthright that they deserve to be, they're a blue blood and deserve to be at the top. They had one coach that did that. Tom Osborne. And that's it. Most and Frank Solich the, yeah. parlayed that into one really good year with Tim Most Couch. Most schools Tim in, the Crouch. Tier, in the tier Tim B of like Nebraska Crouch. and Eric Michigan. Crouch. Eric Crouch, thank you. They've only had a few Chase years. Crouch. Who was that? No, I just, in the tier B. Uh, your your Florida's, Michigan's, Nebraska's. If you actually look at it, like they haven't had that many amazing seasons. In the, in the last couple of years? Yeah, like yeah. recently. There's a lot of names that are dropping. Yeah, Texas. You know I, mean? I thought Texas, I, I'll Texas be honest. Six and four, I thought they? they were going to come back in a big way this year because last year I thought was their year. Remember at the beginning of the year last year, I said, I think that Texas can compete for the Big Ten 12 or for the Big 12. The, t- big, the big 10, 10, 10, 10 12. The baby. Big 22, but for the Big 12 right. title. They and they Georgia. They beat Oklahoma once, yep. and then they just were one win away. And then this year is so disappointing. Yeah, though I thought the first game they had against LSU, or second week of the season. They played was, them really well. Right, they played them close, and I thought, well, they could go 10-2 and two or something. But yeah. no. Well, okay, we solved a few things. Illinois did not embarrass themselves for one. And in fact, we actually are optimistic after what was a competitive game, despite all the miscues, on the road against a top-20 Iowa team. Yep, that's we'll a good summary. Yeah. If they beat Northwestern, I mean, I would have to grade this season. I, I know that Bob Osmussen gave them like an A- minus after the Wisconsin <laughs> yeah, after the Wisconsin yeah, that was, game. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Sure, Bob. Uh, okay, so for this one, though, I'm, I'm just projecting forward. And certainly okay. this could all change by Tuesday, December 3rd, when we meet together again and have a lot to talk about. But they beat Northwestern. I'm going to go B+. Plus. This is a presumptive B+, plus because I can't quite go A in any season where you've lost to Eastern Michigan and the way that you lost that Nebraska That's game. That's fair, too. but then if However, you reverse-engineer that and say you managed to do this in the same season that you lost to Eastern Michigan from that point forward... I say the turnaround like an a plus, is an A+. Right? Yeah. But if they had beaten... Let's say they beat Iowa. If they had won this game against Iowa and they beat Northwestern and they find themselves 8-4, and four, A+. Plus. I do feel like that was the one sort of kind of... Uh, not swinging uh, moment, but like the way that the season could have changed if you beat Iowa. Now all of a sudden we're having that discussion that they have legit already turned a corner. But that's yeah. okay because I didn't necessarily want them to turn the corner. I get it because you know then I mean? it sets yourself up yourself yeah. up for potential disappointment in twenty twenty. Well, okay, yeah. so I'd say B plus if they beat Northwestern seven five B plus. I'd say A minus. I'm taking pluses and minus out of it because I feel like if you say that, then A plus is win the Big Ten title. Um, and then A being a step below that, it's not where you're at right now. Then but I, standards-based grading, did they exceed me? Oh, my God. Approach I or begin? 3.8. <laughs> out of five? I hated that. No, it was out of four, isn't it? Oh. it was a, it's a four I scale. I hated that so much. I'd get a Spanish test back, and I'd get a 16.9 out of 20. That and makes would, sense. And I'd say, tell me, because I knew the teacher well, and I kind of kid with him. I said, tell me specifically why I got 16.9 and not 17.0 on this quiz. I just don't believe you're Spanish. What Trevor. was your name in Spanish class? Uh, Tristan, because there was no Trevor, so they went to Tristan, which is the next class. Harry, did you get a select one? I was Jorge instead of Harry, because they didn't have a Harry. I actually won the Spanish award in eighth grade. Nice. nice. Congratulations. Yeah. I was Felipe. I didn't want to be Miguel because it was too easy. So <laughs> they let us choose. It was What's like Felipe, Felipe uh, in English. Philip. Philip. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, As in Terrence and nice, mm-hmm. but I, I think. Oh, by the way, 
So now we have to watch South Park. I say like that's a bad thing, old South Parks, because guess what's not on Hulu anymore? Because Disney Plus snatched it up. Wait, Simpsons? I now have to, and it's not a big deal. I got all the old DVDs, but I cannot watch The Simpsons on Hulu live anymore or mm. plus. Yeah, well, get Disney Plus. Not going to debt. <laughs> not going to debt. <laughs> I, but I think for now, Now that I would mind it, but I, I just, it. you know. My grade for them. Can I borrow it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'll, you'll well, watch wait, them wait. in that horribly cropped uh, 16-9 ratio, but. Yeah, that's a big controversy, too. If I'm giving them a grade, and if you're doing pluses and minuses, I probably would say a, B plus, A minus, but if I'm just saying a, a regular letter, I would say A. Final Simpsons thought of the day. There's a great Twitter account, <laughs> Simpsons Stills, I think yeah, is what's called. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just literal stills from random episodes uh-huh. with no context. And there's the one of Homer. <laughs> it's the one where he's in the elevator with uh, Mindy, right? His coworker that he's yeah, attracted yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And then he's just like, oh, looks like I'm at my floor. And he's like, see you tomorrow. And he's just, <laughs> like, he's sliding down the nuclear tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, I don't know, it just got me. They're, again, without context. Yeah. Um, My favorite Simpsons are the ones that are just zany nonsense beginning to end. And I know that's a lot of them. But especially some of them season like, four. Right. And five. Some of them are like formulaically funny, but then some of them are truly just like thousands of random, non secular, and having nothing to do with each other jokes. Last exit to Springfield, down right. plan. Right. <laughs> just the big, random the big book of British smiles. Uh, there's the one in Homer's Triple Bypass where randomly Hans Molman is driving <laughs> yeah, Edgar Allan yeah. Poe's house, and he then just Homer explodes. Oh no, you've done it! <laughs> Those are the things that, that get me. The exploding, just the random explosions are my favorite. Yeah. There's one where Chief Wiggum he's rolling is down in, <laughs> he's like a garbage in Duff mug. Oh and yeah, he yeah, lets yeah. Barney drive away clearly drunk, <laughs> and then Barney backs into him and he goes rolling. And he's like, "Wee, this is kind of fun!" And then it just explodes. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, we've learned more than a few things today, including Simpson Stills. Yeah. I yes. think that's what we went on Twitter. That's okay. Uh, that was the longest segment we've ever done, over an hour really? and 40 minutes. Not bad. Wow. Started with... Felt like an hour and 35. Marinara. <laughs> <laughs> it flew by. <laughs> From marinara sauce to crooning we, to crooning. Simpsons yeah. talk. Yep. We covered a lot of bases. You know who has today. really good marinara sauce? Ragu. DP Doe. They do, yeah, actually. Yeah, and I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that because DP Doe, especially if you were settling in for the three and a half hour of The Irishman, which I cannot wait. That's I, I need to figure out when I'm going to do it. So I have to download it from Netflix on Wednesday and find some time over the weekend. Wait, wait, wait. Does it come out on Wednesday? Wednesday. I and might... the Netflix app, you can actually download you them yeah. offline. But that's a large file to be. Yeah, I'll have yeah. to do it on my computer, not my yeah. phone. But I think I'm going to do. Well, I want to queue it up. I, I want it for the plane ride then back from Orlando. There you go. That, okay, that would there be you yeah, go. perfect. How long I... of a flight is that? It's about two hours and 40 minutes. Oh, you can't do that then because you're hit, hitting you'd the have to start it. You're done. Oh, I know. And then you probably have to put it under the tray Look table. Look at Harry's like, well, well, I usually sit in the back anyway. So I'll just start <laughs> before the plane takes off. And I'm always the one sitting there because even when you land, you still take a thunder. 20 minutes to get off the plane. Are you one of those that stands up immediately when you land? No. No, of course He's the opposite. Not. You aren't an animal. I also yeah. want to see Knives Out. That's getting good reviews. Great 99% on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Well, I have heard, though, that the next Star Wars is going to suck. Why did really? you hear that? Here's, here's what it is. Because I remember during the last Game of Thrones season, I saw something on Reddit. The, the leaks are out, so people know. I'm trying to avoid them. I am yeah. too. I am yeah. too. But I remember people just saying, listen, Game of Thrones is going to totally crap the bed here. They screwed it up. Brace yourselves. They really did. And I tempered my expectations and was still let down. So I've already seen, and including a good friend of mine, he won't admit that he's seen the spoilers, but he says, yeah, it's not going to be good. Duh! And and he liked Last Jedi. I did too. That's unfortunate. 
Um, well, I mean, here's the thing, and I I'm mean, think- this is their end game, and I. I don't want it screwed up, but well, for, I, for, they me, might. for me, I, I feel, hate that they might. Oh, for God. me, I feel like my expectations with Star Wars are never really that high because I think they have two great movies, some bad movies, and some average movies. Star the Wars two is, great ones being A New Hope and Empire? Yeah, the only two good ones. Star it, Wars is one of those things where I feel like, a la a Michigan, has become such a brand that when you actually micro look at it, you go... What? Well, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, if but, you but, look, but overall, so it's the such prequels a were Jim, uh, Rich Rod. Prequels were Rich Rod, <laughs> sure. Brady Hoke era. Let's call Revenge of the Sith Brady Hoke like a seven. Yeah, because he won yeah, nine Sugar Bowl year. year. Yeah, yeah, because it was a fine movie. Well, it was Empire a good Strikes Back is your title season, right? Oh man, that's, that's a new Boy Hope Car, is like a Rose yep. Bowl, right? A New Hope is like Bo Beckler going into a year where he won a Rose Bowl, but wait, wait, wait let's win. do this with the Illinois football seasons real quick. Yes. Okay, so the Empire Strikes Back would have to be. The Sugar Bowl in 2001, well, which is an outright Big well, Ten title. The best season? I don't know. It would probably, yeah, I think it would well, be. Well, no, 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 If we're going back, then we put the 83 Rose Bowl where they beat every Big Ten team. But then they lost in the, did they win the Big Ten? They won the Big Ten. They were undefeated in the Big Ten. And they lost the Rose Bowl. So 83, you're to probably UCLA. putting as the Empire Strikes Back. You're probably putting okay. the 2001 Sugar Bowl as a new hope. Okay. Then you're putting well, the Rose Bowl with Ron Zook as... I don't know if anything deserves it. I'd say Rogue One. <laughs> but nah, I, see, I think the turn of the Jedi is still great. Okay, all right. I, know I think it's, a mess, it's good. But, it's... but I mean, the thing I really didn't like after... And Mark Hamill's like, I think he was good early okay, on. That's another thing. I don't think Mark Ham- Hamill's a good actor, but continue. he hams it up. Oh, he he's, does. He's horribly like teen. <laughs> he's very <laughs> the face you just gave there. <laughs> he's very like teen Ham. beach movie, <laughs> right? He's very yeah. teen mm-hmm. beach movie ish. Well, like, mm-hmm. mom, I don't want to take out the garbage. Like that's no, no, him. No, no, for no, the no. First he doesn't want to. He already went to town to get the power I know, converters. I, was, I already got just... the power converters. <laughs> 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 I was gonna go to Yashi Station. Okay, so I, I'm actually I'm giving the Rose Bowl year. Oh seven, and we're just gonna go eighty three. That was to the now. year for Revenge of the Sith. It was. That's 07. true. I'm going oh three. No, oh, was sorry. It? It no, oh five. Oh five was Revenge of the Sith. Oh seven Rose Bowl. I'm giving Return of the Jedi. So the original trilogy, Empire Strikes Back, okay. is the eighty three Rose and Bowl. We're doing we're doing this based on success, right? Successful not, Illinois not based, seasons, not based on because if if you're going based on chronology, then eighty three would be a New Hope because it was the one that was kind of it was it, it was, but there was, was a standalone. I mean, listen, Illinois' best seasons were all standalone. Actually, they never led to any greater. If success. you really want to kind of dig deeper into it, eighty three or no no um. Eighty three was Return of the Jedi. No, a New Hope would be Micron PC because it was lost good. Oh, yeah, then right, kind right, of leading into Empire, which was great. So let's get rid of the eighty three Rose Bowl real quick. Let's okay. redo it. Okay, so a New Hope is ninety nine, <laughs> and then lost. Empire yes. Strikes Back is two thousand one. Okay. Yes. Okay. 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 Return of the Jedi is 07. Yes. Sure. And uh, yeah. I, I think it is. I, because well, it, the tough thing is, is I feel like Jedi is kind of seen with disappointment, whereas no one looks at 07 with disappointment. But I don't think Jedi is a disappointment. I know it's a mess, but it's, it's just... It's a step down from Empire. The, the conclusion, and I know the last minute and the stupid Ewok village and the new crap that Lucas oh, added. Is just, it, but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But here's I, the thing, I gotta the say, climax in that movie is perfect. I gotta say real quick, I though, agree. the one thing I was trying to get to with that I didn't like what Hamill or uh, Luke would do is as soon as he figured out Darth Vader was his dad, he only called him, like, father. He didn't know this guy. I'm a Jedi. Like my father before me, or, or like when at the end of of Empire, where uh, Darth Vader t- like mind melds with him, and he sits up from the bed, goes, "Father, you don't know him as your dad." <laughs> I also like how Obi Wan kind of hedges his lie in Return of the Jedi when Luke says he killed your father. What the hell was that, man? And he goes, "Well, technically, your father was killed." I would have been like, "Man, shut up!" <laughs> I, I, true. I, I was. Yeah, I know. I was watching it Old for ben. the the first time. I watched it uh, after a long time. I had watched it right after Empire, and when he reveals himself 
to Luke, I just thought of Luke's probably thinking, hey, man, thanks for telling me about my dad. You like my new arm? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> okay, so, okay. A New Hope, 99 Micron PC, two, yeah. which was a great year. I mean, you went in Michigan and Ohio State. It was, the, it was a the, slow start. Yes. Great finish. Yeah. Okay, so 2001, great throughout. Yeah. Minus losing at Michigan, you had competed against LCU in the Sugar Bowl. So, yeah, outright Big Ten title, Empire Strikes Back. Then 07 Rose Bowl, Return of the Jedi. Then you have 2010, I'm going to call Force Awakens. Yep. Because it's... It had good and bad. Not bad, mixed but in. not great. Not not bad, but not great. Price should have been better. Yeah, that actually 2011 is perfect for Last Jedi, right? Because the 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 expect <laughs> it's like it was so like one I half it, your shit. Yeah, I did yeah, like yeah, Last yeah. Jedi, but I haven't really revisited it since it came out. That's true. And I, I might say right. something about it. Yeah. And then you would have what that had a means- redeeming like twenty minute or two game period in it. Maybe 2014 was Phantom Menace because the last. I like the fight at the I end. I think the Phantom last Menace, fight, we just call uh, 2012 was the Phantom Menace. I'm sorry. I yeah. don't Tim know. Beckham, I mean, uh, Attack of the Clones is worse. What's it, know, what's here, we go, here we go. Here we go. Oh, no. I got it. I got it. Okay. Phantom Menace. <laughs> You're is, both so all over Phantom the place Menace is 2009 Jeez. with the last lightsaber fight being the Michigan win where you absolutely smoke them. Okay. Because that's the moment. only You're right. Yeah. One right, great right, moment. Right, right. And that's it. Okay. I like that. And then you have Attack of the Clones is pretty bad too. That's 2012. So maybe we give that 2012. Or do we give it 2013 where you went four and eight? Uh, it's got to be your worst season. Okay. What's because the redeemable moment in Attack of the Clones? None of them. Even the lightsaber fight at the end isn't very good. All, I remember just the sort of sensory overload of the clone fight, but right. ugh, whatever. But, like, but, the, but before that, there was like literally two hours of just nothing. The Revenge nothing. of the Sith. I like that Finish movie strong. for what it is. 2014. I'd say Revenge of the Sith with 2014. Okay. Yeah. And then now we're going to find out if the new oh, one Jesus. is... This what year. would this be? This year. Yeah, but this year finished strong. I know. Well, let's hope it finishes strong. Started week, finished strong. Would that be Rogue One? Well, yeah, I wasn't a big Rogue One fan. I'm just I liked Rogue One. Because I, I mean, my, my... I thought it was perfect. I thought it was it was a money grab. Well, okay, what about... Like, what movie is Solo? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god can i say that that movie was bad and then it got laughably bad bad when they reintroduced darth maul at the end like, i know that like that was the money grab in that like like they felt like they had to have some tie to an original character other than han solo obviously or some like <gasps> yeah, moment exactly. in the end and it's like it was completely pointless they wanted they wanted okay so i'm in the theater with maybe 50 other people. it was still opening weekend yeah. we went 50 other people and I know that when they put that in there they, they expected <gasps> and there was maybe one guy was like huh <laughs> cool yeah, uh, I'm like I thought and I, I've i seen Phantom yeah. Menace once I've never revisited really? I have I mean, no intention you, uh, it's real I, I can't I've do it. it a few times there's two redeeming scenes in that the pod racing's cool yep let's just put it out there it's objectively cool and the last lightsaber battle is I You'd, it's a top five lightsaber battle. The problem, I think, with that is there's so many layers going on at that point that they keep cutting in between like eight different stories. Yeah, but they I didn't did like Return that. of the Jedi, too. But I will say the Return did. of the Jedi works because that's my favorite like space battle that they had in the entire series. Right. When Lando and uh, Nine Numb, Nub yeah, Gold Celestin. Lando love... destroy the Death Star. Yeah, man. Lando's a badass. Why wouldn't he? Lando. It's not even a real name. But I thought that but that Hans space battle is. was great. And now, granted, <laughs> then he kept going down to Endor, but you still have all your favorite characters but on like, Endor. Minus so. the Phantom, Walk, you're cutting back it? to like... Ewoks. You're, you're yeah. cutting back to Jar Jar stumbling over these bl- these purple balls. Like Those the, blue balls, yeah. <laughs> 
You can say blue balls. Who's had blue balls? Yeah, yeah, you can. I don't know. I guess we'll figure that out. <laughs> and honestly, because I, I okay, so full transparency, I rewatched all the Star Wars and just finished, mm-hmm. so it's fresh in my mind because yeah. I just wanted to watch them before this one. So obviously, he's rightfully criticized George Lucas is for the abomination that is Jar Jar. It's awesome. And the quote in the documentary where he goes, "Jar Jar is the key to this whole thing," and he's mm-hmm. and he's got the whole like storyboard. And really, he Jar-Jar. is because he casts the vote that gives Emperor Palpatine the so power. So this 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 connects to what I'm going to say here is. George Lucas got rightfully slayed for having Jar Jar be a part of that first movie. But then imagine the fact that he takes in that criticism from Jar Jar, mm-hmm. you know, lets it soak in, admits it's a mistake, and then continues to make him be a central part of the plot in two and three. That's I, a bigger mistake than creating Jar Jar. Because he could have at least gone back. He doubled down on Jar Jar. Have you seen the Never Jar Jar down theory? On Jar Jar. <laughs> yes, I have. I yeah. love the Jar Jar theory. The, the Sith Lord Jar Jar. That he theory. is a Sith Lord. Well, that'd be brilliant. And what if. What if the reason that people are so pissed off on the internet already with these leaks is that Jar Jar? Oh, if they bring Jar Jar back, I will be... Now, I, I guarantee you that there will be a Hayden Christensen appearance. Oh, there will be. And, I, of I course, have, Luke is going to be involved. I have involved. a feeling they're going to try and tie everything that we didn't like as much together in a forced way as possible in this movie. Right. Like, something to do with Ray has something to do with clones, because she said, show me who my parents are, and it was 100 images of her. So then there's something to do with clones. Like, like there's going to be something in this movie that ties to a bad prequel plot line so that they try to make it all seem coherent and synergistic and everyone's going to groan. I didn't like that as soon as this movie started to, you know, what is it, the trailers came out or everything. It was as soon as this movie was announced is when they called this nine episode arc the Skywalker saga. I had never heard that before. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I got to call it. it something, but yeah, but also it. On completely derails and lessens the impact of Vader coming back from evil to throw the Emperor down the shaft and become good if the Emperor's alive in this movie. But I think it's going to be a big old force field sort of thing. Luke is battling the Emperor. I would would hope that it's like a force ghost Emperor because if it turns out that he survived that somehow and is a physical Emperor Palpatine. He can't be. That that completely diminishes what happened at the end of Return of the Jedi, right? I mean, what are you going into this movie thinking? Because like I said, I have only seen uh, Last Jedi once, but that one ended with Snoke or Snoke? What's his name? Snoke. He dies. Yep. So now your big bad guy is is the Emperor. Kylo Ren. Is Kylo Ren. Well, yeah. Yeah, so I mean... He's a sympathetic bad guy who might uh, turn good, but I actually think he's tremendous. I think he's great in that role. I I do think Adam Driver's really good as as that. Yeah, but he's supposed to be. He's whiny for me. I don't know. I I, I think he's got a compelling character. Mm -hmm. I actually don't really care for any of the other side characters. Like, you could tell me Finn dies in this movie, and I'm going to be like, oh, Finn's job is to go, woo! When he's flying That's around, I thought. I thought. By the way, yeah, man. I think Ray found out how to use the Force way too quickly. Yeah, but yeah, it's a three yes, episode thing. Watch Empire Strikes good. Back and Luke learns he it did, in like an hour. He, well, so. here's the thing. That's, that's, a, that's a big question. There is you never really know how long it, he was on. Um, what's I mean, what's but the but plan? No, Hoth is like Dagobah, right yeah. after. Right. It, it, oh, well, he goes. Dagobah, that's true. They, but yeah. really, it's not long because he has to the whole save thing them. to save them. Yeah. That all happens within a matter of days. I'm just, more yeah. than a few days. I'm just saying. Like, I, your point is valid, but we every character in this entire saga has learned. God, that quickly. movie is so good. Which it one? Is. Empire. Empire, Empire is. I mean, it's. You know what's funny is movies back then, kind of go the route of the first one is good and classic. Godfather. And, and then the second Terminator. one is even better. Terminator. 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 Yeah. 
Happens with a the, bunch the of The exception to that, of course, is the Indiana Jones trilogy. Second one, I could not watch the second movie again if you paid me. Can we talk about me. how violent that movie is, too? It's rated PG, and there's scenes where they're Kelly like pulling Ma. people's hearts out of I, kids' chests. And I'm I loved like, it. Jesus. I loved it as a kid because of all the gross stuff, but yeah. then I watched it again, and what is it? Kate, what's her character's name? That woman is I so annoying. She's just insufferable. I like Short Round, whatever. Sure. But Indy. she... Indy! <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's not funny. No, it's not. It's but just I, bad. I, it was hard to actually get through it a second time. Yeah. Then Last Crusade ends Great well. Movie. It's fine. And yeah. we'll just pretend it ended there. Yeah. That's what I do with with Alien and <laughs> Kingdom same of thing, the Crystal Skull. Same thing. It with, was the aliens all the time. That's which what I don't mind end. an alien slu- subplot, but, but it, it was, was the bad. Tarzan swinging through the vines. Yeah, and it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even mind the stupid refrigerator thing. In there the beginning. was a scene of fire ants that were chasing him, where he couldn't defeat a pack terrible of fire CGI. Ants. Like they're, it was just bad. That's tough. I tell you what, Steven Spielberg. That's a guy that's made some crappy sequels. Oh, for sure. And he's Lost best friend, He's best friends with George Lucas, who was in his ear about Indiana Jones. He was in Lucas's ear about the battle droids and Jar Jar. You got to start exa- examining that guy's uh, career. And they always oh. say it's for the kids. And I was like, I was 12 when Phantom Menace came and out, and I hated it. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. So it's not for the kids. Well, he, he it's for idiots. He messed up. Yeah. Well, now but you actually, got, now, not, the, no, no one liked it. The one I was going to go back to, though, that you kind of said that you just pretend that uh, Indiana Jones ends with the third one is I look at what was it? It was. um Oh, God, I'm forgetting now. I look at the um, the aliens. The first movie have not seen the third one. I've only seen Alien and I'm Aliens. With yeah. First one was great. One of my yep. favorite movies of all time. Oh, me too. Second movie. A lot I, of fun. I liked it. I think some people even say it's better. I can see you saying it's better than the first one. It's, it's more a, of an action movie. It's a great action movie. I don't like it quite as first much as the first, movie. but it is amazing. And I just pretend it ends right there because all I, I, seen the third all I know about the third one, because I've seen parts of it, it starts with the girl Newt. She she just died because of her cryogenic thing broke. Yeah. I mean, come on. You spend the whole movie protecting her. Have you seen the new Terminator movie? No, no. I kind of liked it. Oh, interesting. I'm not sure it's fine. I, I looked it up and it got like an 86 on Rotten Ooh. Tomatoes. Yeah. I, I, think, think, I, think, I think it's worth watching. Okay. I liked Terminator 3 when I saw it, now, but if I revisited James it, maybe Cameron, it would be So he said ignore 3, 4, and 5, oh, okay. and this is like the third one after his first two. Uh, for me, last thought here, what was it? Uh, you were talking about Alien Aliens. Great Alien movies. 3 was directed by David Fincher, but they took away Final Fincher. Cut from him, so he disowned oh. it. So it has the David Fincher look. Because he's got a very yeah, signature yeah. seven. Great this movie is, like is Zach the Snyder game with Justice League. Uh, yeah, yeah. Though I have heard the director's cut still. Well, that's us. the thing is like I don't even. They're saying release the director's cut. I don't even want to watch. And the no offense to Zack Snyder, but that's a different ballpark. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, David Fincher, though, have you ever seen The Game with Michael Douglas? I have not. Nope. Wow. Check that one out. Uh, seven Fight Club. Social Network. Fight Club was good. Gone yep. Girl. And then on I've Netflix, never seen Gone Girl. He's directed a lot of the episodes, and he produces all of them. Mindhunter. I've heard really that's good. good. Holy I've crap. heard that's Have good. Have you seen it? Love it. I've seen it as well. Cannot wait. And very I good. realize the second season, which we just finished, came out this year. Yeah, and they, so and and they took like it. two years after the first season to come back with the second season. But I love that show. Movie and TV talk. We'll end on that. Now you yeah. got me disappointed about Star Wars. I bought my opening night tickets. Yeah, no, I'm, we're still going to go opening night. I mean, I what know, the hell? but I want it to be like a really, really good climactic finish to the Skywalker story. But you know what? People hated Last Jedi and I really enjoyed it. It is so a it might be one of those movie, situations. but I enjoyed it. All right. DPDO, online, DPDO.com. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, BrianIsMyGuy.com. Fourth and Kirby, Vintage Illini Apparel at FourthandKirby.com. Of course, Illini Inquire and Champagne Showers Podcast Network. That was a two-hour segment. That was awesome. But you know, I like that because now as people are commuting to wherever they're going for Thanksgiving, hopefully you can consume this podcast and hey we aren't feeling bad about illinois football in fact we're feeling okay we're feeling our oats yes 
Don't feel your oats before you cook them. Don't do You're that. You're just going to make them dirty. No, exactly. No one wants dirty oats. Harry Black, Trevor Belize. I like oatmeal. Not dirty oats. We'll be back no, no, no. on a special Tuesday after all the madness of Northwestern, bull placement, Big Ten ACC challenge for a jam-packed 200 level. We'll see you all in a couple weeks or a week and a half. Why are we the 100 level? Hmm. <laughs> just a parting thought yeah. for you there. Well, we aren't. We aren't. We're not like that big good. donors. I we don't see. have okay. money. I have the no idea money. is that we're the common folk. Oh, okay. ah, right, right. We're the common folk seeing the two hundred level, and this is our. It take. would have been the C section. Oh uh, yeah, which, but that's disgusting. You know, that's a whole different kind of podcast. And you know what's funny yeah. is I did not realize <laughs> it for, is the C section for all those years that the C section. I did not realize the connotation yeah. until you just said it right now. Right. This is the C section. The C section. I don't think it'd get many, many downloads. <laughs> What logo would you have for that? (laughs) (laughs) It is the 200 level. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.